Hello, friends. This episode is brought to you by From Within Records. Killing Me, new single, Deceivers, is out now. You can go stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, Bandcamp, everywhere else. Full EP coming out soon. For anyone who will be at This Is Hardcore this weekend, please head over to the Seat of Pain merch table to grab yourself an early access code for the new Carbonite EP. Pre-orders for the EP will be going up July 13th. So like I said, if you're going to This Is Hardcore, go grab yourself an early access code and stream that new EP, Carbonite fucking rules. Also, One Scene Unity, September 10th, 2022. Mark your calendars. If you're not following From Within Records on social media, please go boot up your Twitter, your Instagram, click that follow button to stay up to date on all the current news. And like I always say, please support From Within Records because they support us. If you're looking for high quality merch for your band, for your business, go hit up my friends over at Good Fortune Printing out of Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. You can follow them on Instagram at Good Fortune Printing. You can also email them contact at goodfortuneprinting.com. You can thank me later. Before we get into today's guest, I want to give another special shout out to everyone who came out to the Shackled show at Program. It definitely meant a lot to me. It was Shackled's first time in California, and for them to be able to let me help out and book that show, it definitely meant a lot to me because, you know, I'm ride or die from within records, and I'm a huge Shackled fan, so it just was an honor for me to be able to do something like that, and big props to Twist of Cain for coming through last minute. Shout out Josh for that. Shout out Program for letting me host another show there. It was really fun. And shout out to Major Pain, New York, Orange County Band, excuse me. Uh, they're hitting the studio, I think, this upcoming week, if I remember correctly. So hopefully um, they will be able to post that shit soon. We got to get Kenny on the podcast and help pump them up because they, they do a lot uh, to help me out. And I definitely appreciate them backlining the whole show and just uh, being down to support and rep Orange County as hard as they do. So once again, thank you, everybody who came out and supported. It definitely meant a lot. It was a successful show. Everybody left happy, and that's all I could ask for. So thank you. And also, before I forget, we got to get this K-pop shit out of the way. Two years of Weekly being a group. You guys know I'm a huge fan of Weekly. I'm dying to see them live. I've uh, I've seen a lot of K-pop groups and uh, don't worry, uh, K-Con's coming through and I'm going to get to cross off a lot of uh, groups that I've been dying to see as well. But Weekly is a special group for me. So it's cool that it's been two years. It's kind of a trip. It feels like time has flown by. Life has been way different, but way better since Weekly started. So shout out to Weekly and all my dailies. But today, we finally tracked down our good buddy Tony. He plays in Raw Life, plays in Shattered Realm, all around great guy. I've been chasing him for a really long time. There, there honestly have been times where I felt like it just wasn't going to happen, but we did it. We tracked him down. We had an awesome conversation, and I'm very stoked to have been able to have Tony on the podcast. It was definitely a fun one. So I'm so stoked that I get to present this conversation. To, excuse me, this conversation to all of you today. So please, if you're not familiar with Raw Life, Hip Pause, 
go boot up your Spotify, your Apple Music, your Tidal, your YouTube, Bandcamp, whatever. Go listen to Raw Live. They just put out a summer 2022 promo. They teamed up with LDB for that. They're an LDB band, which is awesome. Shout out uh, my friends over at LDB Records. So listen to them and then come back and hear Tony and I talk about a lot of awesome things pertaining to the hardcore scene. The most recent UFC, for anyone who is into the MMA stuff, we get into it for a bit, but it was awesome. I'm very happy that Tony finally was able to come on the podcast. He'll definitely be back when that new Raw Life record comes out and maybe for some MMA stuff in the future. Who knows? But please strap in, enjoy this conversation. Without further ado, welcome Tony to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Tony. How's it going? It's going good. We finally got this done after, uh, I would say, probably like a year of failing to schedule on my behalf. Yeah, I feel like I've been chasing you for for a while because we've been obviously friends <laughs> on social media. We've even uh, seen each other in person and we're like always just like, yeah, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. And there's always so many scheduling conflicts. So I'm just happy that we're finally here and uh, you know actually you know taking care of business. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely time, especially because I would hit you up and be like, "Yo, man, like I'm ready to do this," and then you know <laughs> the world is the world. So what are you gonna do? Okay, um, just for people listening out there who may not be familiar with who you are, can you just give a quick breakdown of who you are and what you do? Uh, my name's Tony. I play in a band called Raw Life. I also play in Chatter Realm. Um, Chatter Realm was kind of just me and Joe and whoever else is in the band. Raw Life, uh, is like my main thing, obviously. I do the writing in that, uh, with my friends in Raw Life. Uh, book shows, we just did like our first year of our fest in Lang City called War at the Shore. It was pretty cool. Uh, bunch of friends. That's pretty much it. I'm just a guy that like hardcore goes to hardcore shows. And, um, uh, you're from uh, obviously like the the Jersey area, but um, have you been there like your whole life? So I actually right now I live in Pennsylvania. I live okay. just south of Philadelphia in a town called Media. Okay, but I'm originally from Atlantic City, New Jersey. Yes, spent most of my life there. Awesome. And how'd you end up in PA? Uh, realistically, what it is is just kind of like a scarcity of good paying work in that part of New Jersey, and the housing market is pretty much the same as it is in Philadelphia. So at least in the Philadelphia area, you're getting better paying jobs. I don't know why that is, especially with, you know, the cost of living being very similar, but it just seems like you can find a lot more better paying work here. And that's pretty much the only reason I'm here. That's interesting. Yeah. I uh, recently, or, or not recently, I, like back in the fall of last year, I went to uh, Wilkes-Barre and just uh, being a, such a fan of that area, but then getting to know, um, my friends on a better level and then hearing about how much they're, uh, you know, paying for houses that they've bought. 
it's just like mind blowing how much more affordable it is in those areas versus where I currently live. It's just like, like I almost wanted to like, you know, pack up my bags immediately. Like I honestly, I honestly looked into transferring for work, uh, but it was like a big, really? yeah, it was just like a big ordeal. Like I, I could have made it work, but then I would have had to have like sacrificed like some shit that I didn't want to, but, um, but it's still up in the air. Like that, that's somewhere that I would uh, like to spend more time. Yeah. I mean, that area is definitely cheaper than even my area. Wilkes-Barre is probably like, almost two hours from me it's definitely more affordable there but again there is like the scarcity of good paying work out there so it's kind of it's a trade-off to some degree but i i know plenty of friends that make it work up there and have you know good paying jobs and pay like nothing for housing like the, the rental market even from from where i am in pennsylvania to where wilkes is it's like what i pay a month they probably pay like maybe 70 percent of that like mm -hmm. a, on the higher end mm -hmm. so it definitely it's super affordable to live there and it's, it's beautiful there as i'm sure you saw i don't know if you guys go to the mountains or anything but it's definitely nice up there i love northeast pennsylvania yeah i, I definitely got to do some sightseeing yeah because I, I i went there twice in one year uh, which was unexpected because the first trip was planned and then uh the, the second trip i went out for the one step closer record release which i didn't know mm -hmm. Um, about until it was actually announced and i was like there's no way i'm going to miss that so it, it just made sense for me to fly out so it, it was definitely cool uh just you know like i said being a fan of that area for so long just listening um you know to the bands from the area so finally getting to go and experience it and hang out with people from the scene and get to know that area better it, it was a trip but it was, it was definitely really uh awesome and made me like that area even more yeah because you got out to swv as well last year correct mm-hmm yeah and got to see uh raw life there for the first time yeah that was that was a fun show it's a very fun show uh, i'm sure you know nate as well right mm -hmm. yeah no, I, I actually stayed with nate during um swb yeah great great human being he actually he prints all the raw life merch now too so oh hell yeah very good. shout out at good fortune printing uh absolutely shout out good fortune printing they just did these cool white shirts for us yesterday that they're they turned out really well okay well was that with the the brown colorway uh it's, it's like maroon but it's like hard to tell on the internet yeah okay. it's like it's like a maroon lettering yeah i, I try to remember because I, I i always see them uh post stuff because obviously I, I follow them on instagram so they're always posting up the cool stuff that they're printing oh yeah they, they do a lot of cool stuff i don't know if you saw the it's like the show improved strength for a reason shirt it was on like a teal shirt with like mm -hmm. orange print yeah that was cool that was really cool he's done he's done some really cool stuff with like a lot of interesting prints and colors and stuff so him being like i don't want to say new but newer to screen printing than say other people he's like really killing it like everything he does is good quality mtk 100 yeah he printed all my collab shirts that i've done like uh, the run that i did at fya mm -hmm. uh earlier this year and then i i did uh, one collab shirt at the from within record showcase in philly back in march and mm -hmm. i always go through good fortune high quality stuff yeah, yeah, he really kills it. I was impressed because I, I remember he did at Winter Jam, he did this long sleeve for Strength for a Reason, which he also plays in. Um, mm -hmm. And I was like blown away by the quality, especially for him being as new as he was, or, or at least Good Fortune being as new as Good Fortune was at the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And <clears throat> speaking about uh, Shattered Realm, I, I'm just curious how you linked up with Joe for that. Me and Joe have been friends for a while. Um, 
there was a time where they were playing under All Will Suffer just as a strictly benefit purpose for Jake Abbott. Um, and they had done that show. And then there was another one to come up. I want to say the next one was another benefit where Joe just asked me if I wanted to play bass um, with Pat Boyko and Will Schaefer on the band at the time. I think Paul Klein was playing drums at the time. And it was kind of just like a we're around so much, you know. I'm always at Joe's shows. Joe just asked me to play. And I mean, for me, it was a pretty easy yes. I already pretty much know the songs growing up in New Jersey. You know what I mean? Like, I think one of my first bands covered All Will Suffer. So it was like a fairly seamless thing. And I think I showed up to the first practice and started teaching the other guys' songs that I already knew just because, again, being from New Jersey and loving Chattered Realm, um, that's just, it was kind of natural, I guess. I, I went to a show at Fort Leaves and Joe just asked me for one, too, and I said, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm, it's taking you guys some pretty interesting places. So it's, it's definitely cool that you guys are able to team up and uh, at least keep the band alive in that aspect. Yeah, it's definitely like, I didn't know exactly what to expect as far as what we were really going to do when I joined. <clears throat> and then, you know, months later, Joe's like, Hey, we're going to go to England. I was like, that's cool. Cause at that point I had never left the country. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's definitely cool because like, let's say with leaving the country, we went and we played uh, Leeds in the United Kingdom. And uh, it was pretty much just me and Joe, like everybody else that was doing the band at the time were like, we can't go. So me and Joe were like, what are we going to do? And then Joe had talked to some people over there and we ended up linking up with like Ben from the spies and uh, Sean from the spies and a couple other people that were in their band at the time. Um, so it was cool to like go there and meet them and meet all their friends and play songs with people we literally just met. And it was, it was a really cool experience. So Shattered Realm is cool in that way that like, it's essentially me and Joe. Now it's a little bit more set. Like we have Chris Marguerite who plays in Shark Attack. He plays drums for us. And uh, Anchi from MH Chaos and Sector and Hold My Own. Mm -hmm. and he's the craziest little person ever at guitar. So it's uh, it's definitely taken us cool places. We played the Rumble the one year. We played uh, that fest in Leeds, which I the name is escaping me. Um, so it's just, it's gotten me personally to see new places which was very cool for me yeah and it's definitely a trip uh you know like right now seeing all the current bands overseas uh, you know taking over the uk uh because you gotta think back just not that long ago people traveling internationally to do anything was just kind of like up in the air and nobody knew what was actually going to happen i remember when they had announced outbreak like super early this year i was like wow that's really it's really bold to announce it so far in advance, especially at that, uh, you know, current state of the world. But it's really awesome to see, you know, fast forward to now to see it actually, you know, uh, to, excuse me, <clears throat> to see it actually happen and to see so many bands from the States actually go out there and have amazing reactions. It's, it's, I was watching, uh, Brandon from here, the nice videos of just like, the stuff they were doing they were in germany and all that stuff as well before but then when they got to outbreak like getting to see like all, all of our friends over there was very cool uh just like in the videos and then like seeing just like the videos of drain playing was like 
it's insane. I think Brandon told me there was something like 6,000 people there, which is mind blowing, but it is, I think it was bold of them to announce, especially since I believe that Ben's had to cancel tours even in May Mm -hmm. of this year uh, because of just, you know, the way protocols were in a lot of parts of Europe. Um, But it's, it's really cool to see so many bands from the area and from the States in general getting out there and they're kind of all there together. So it's like, if you look at like the outbreak lineup, it's almost like, shocking to see how many people that we know and we're friends with and that are at our shows here all the time all over there at the same time which actually made it really hard to book war at the shore this year mm-hmm. uh we're, we're supposed to do our first year in 2019 and we had like a pretty big headliner and it was going to be pretty cool and obviously i know i'm sorry 2020 when COVID started it's all blur at this point honestly um but it was hard this year to book because every band we hit up was like, we're going to be in Europe. And it was like, all right, well, let's try this next band. And they're like, oh, we're going to be in Europe. And I think like just about every band that I originally had in mind was like in Europe the week before outbreak even anyway. So it's cool that everybody got to get out and it's cool that everybody got, got out there at once. And it was like maybe some people that haven't even seen each other in the States are now all out there, you know, since everything kicked off. But it's cool. I think, I think it's very cool, especially with, you know, not knowing at the beginning of the year if almost anything would have been able to happen. 100%. And it's definitely cool to see that, um, as, as far as I can tell, on the bands that have been playing all their shows have had, uh, you know, success, no uh, weird hiccups with the coronavirus. Everybody has uh, you know, been able to have a good time and um, have some crazy shows. So I, I'm super happy for all the bands out there that are killing it right now. It's actually it's surprising to hear that none of them had to cancel shows or anything even. So mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's definitely uh, like we're in a way better state these days versus just you know earlier in the year when things were up in the air and people were way more um, you know cautious about doing stuff like this. Because <laughs> seeing uh, those videos uh, um, of outbreak and even Hellfest and just seeing the amount of people that are there, it's you know, super awesome because, uh, you know, like I said, not that long ago, it was just something that we had uh, hoped to be able to have again just because it was taken yeah. away so fast. Yeah, that, the health festival one was really like watching like the Jesus Peace videos because that's like that's like one of the the videos that I've seen the most out of that fest and it just mind blowing amount of people to be in one place, let alone like the surprise of coronavirus, which just crazy how big those fests get out there mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's it's definitely wild um i'm not sure if i would <laughs> enjoy something like that that's just like way too many people because i'm uh you know i don't really like to be around that many people uh that often i cause i've been to some some festivals in my time and i'm just like when i'm in the thick of it i'm just like you i'm gonna get out of here <laughs> this is too much yeah yeah that's like that's always for me like maybe one of the best parts of this is hardcore is being so close to home and it's like if I'm feeling burnout on being around that many people, I literally just drive home and even come back if I want to, you know? So it's, uh, I understand the not wanting to be around that many people thing. Cause sometimes even just our regular hardcore fests are like, kind of like, all right, this is a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you mentioned, uh, you know, war at the shore a couple times. I, I'm just curious uh, how that whole thing came together. Cause you mentioned originally supposed to happen in 2020. Where did you get the idea to do something like this? 
So living down there most of my life, it's something that I had toyed with the notion of for years and years. Um, never with much of a lineup in mind or like, I don't even think it's something I want to call a fest. Cause it's always just going to be like a one day thing just to celebrate hardcore in the area. Cause that's where I came from. And there's, I think there's like a lot of untapped kids in that area that know about hardcore that don't really get the opportunity to go. Cause it's not in their face. Like when I was growing up, I, I found hardcore fairly early. And it's, it's, a, it's pretty weird to think about because it's like very accessible now, like through Spotify and through, you know, YouTube and everything else. So it's like right there for kids to grab. But it's also like if you look at like what's in the mainstream and on the radio and stuff, there's a lot less of like even let's say new metal, just like anything with like a harder edge in mainstream music. So I think it's like harder for kids to find now. But for me, it was like. You know, you had an older brother who was a friend and that's how we got into it. And I booked my first show when I think I was 14 at a place in Brigantine, New Jersey. Jeez. Was and, young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was a wreck. There was like eight bands on the show and it was at a church that had no idea what they were getting themselves into, but it went well. I mean, like, and it, it was really easy to promote back then too, because I think there was just so many young people involved that. I think the first show I ever booked had like something like 300 kids that showed up and it was just like 15 year old kid bands, 18 year old kid bands at most. I think the only band I, I wouldn't even say that they're largely of note, but that ever came out of it from early booking shows, is a death metal band called Eternity Void. This is like probably the only like Spotify searchable band that you could find from any of those shows that I booked early on. But, um, I don't know. I always like booking stuff just because I like having stuff close and like having like our friends to circle something around. And then like, I guess as I got older, it was a little bit harder because a lot of the people that I had started going to shows with had like fallen out of love with it for one reason or another. So it was like, I want to book shows here at home. Uh, see if we can, you know, reignite a spark with some of the kids that were around when I had come up and get newer kids because i'll go to like wawa or whatever down there and i'm sure that you know wawa is at this point for your listeners <laughs> to, it's for some reason a culty convenience store on in the northeast and now in florida as well um but like i'd go to i go to wawa's like even as as recently as like 2018 and see like a bunch of kids wearing like let's say like vein shirts or like code orange shirts or you know year of the knife shirts that i never saw at shows and i like take pretty good note of who is around. And, I, and I'm sure that if you ask most people from around here that, you know, have been around for a while and go to shows, they know most of the people that you can see most familiar faces. So I would go down there to like a Wawa or something and see kids that I've just never seen before. And realistically, Philly is not that far from there. It's maybe an hour and 10 minutes at, at very most. So it's like, it's right there for these kids to get to, but if they're not being introduced to it in the right way, they're not going to find it. So that was like my idea behind getting back to doing shows in Atlantic city in general, but it's something that I've thought about for, you know, over 10 years, but it's pretty much just trying to bring hardcore back to that area because there is history in that area with hardcore. There's cool venues and there was, I wouldn't say very many cool bands to be completely honest, but 
or at least past like you know got much further than them being a south jersey band but there there was like cool venues there that like legendary bands had played and i think that there's something there if you can get it because i mean the venue that we did worth shore at literally it's two steps from the beach two steps from casinos and two steps from the boardwalk so it's you do it in the summer to where people can you know they can hit the beach they can go to the casino they can go to the boardwalk they can do whatever they want and that's the idea about trying to draw people from you know out here and further even down there so that people there can kind of see like what it's like and then they can get introduced to people from you know this area to go to shows out here so then they're like oh i'm following this guy on instagram now i'm seeing shows that are happening in philly i'm gonna go to these shows and i think that that's like the way that things grow now as to where like before you'd get a flyer in school at least that's like how it went for me is like you get a flyer in school and be like what is this and you just hear a bunch of bands you've never heard of before in your life and you go and you know just a bunch of little idiots moshing and you're like oh this is fun and that's like how we did it but i think now it's you kind of have to almost put it in front of people for them to be like oh okay now it's in my algorithm because people are so glued to their phones uh that that's like the way you get it to happen so that was my theory in getting you know some more shows down there like we're, gonna, we're gonna do some more shows down there this summer as well just because it really only makes sense to book there in the summer because you go there in the winter unless you're like a degenerate gambler there's no real draw to Atlantic City in the winter for sure no i i think it's a great strategy to try to you know bring in new people because that's one very important aspect of hardcore is always just trying to you know uh, focus on the youth and bring new kids in because if we don't it's just gonna end up you know fizzling out and that's always a scary thought because it, it can definitely happen like it, it doesn't matter uh, what scene it is uh, or what you know area uh, if kids aren't coming out and supporting things can easily fall apart because uh, like i always say this whole thing isn't guaranteed and, and we definitely saw that uh, you know 2020 2021 where there was no shows and uh, you know th there was uh, very little going on so i i think it's awesome that you're doing something like this to try to attract um especially the the locals and kind of you know put that spark in them to be like hey there's like cool shit going on here um let's try to you know get to know these uh, you know key people who are doing stuff because they're out here promoting other stuff that isn't too far away from where we actually are that we could easily like you know be missing yeah because that, that's like when we were you know like even i think the earliest i ever took a train to philly to go to the church i was like 15 and it's like the way, the way that we did that is we met other people through shows and that's like how we did it. So I think that from my generation and even before my generation of hardcore people from that South Jersey area, at least the people that I came up with, I'm probably like the last one that still goes to shows. Um, I, I really can't think of like almost anybody that like when I was like 14, 15, like starting to get out like more places that still comes around and it's you know it's for one reason or another some people for better some people for worse obviously but it really is like i think that it died out so much in that area that people just they don't know how to get there and you know what i will say there's like the, the not one truth kids from around there they're definitely going to be instrumental in getting that area back to being something that is you know, more than just, you know, four or five people that like hardcore that travel to Philly. I think that 
a band, a younger band, like not one truth who has, you know, an older guy in the band as well, who's probably doing well to steer them in the right direction. But it's, it's important to get not one truth out to other places, but to also have them being like a centerpiece for the area because you got to be in touch with the youth to get new kids out to shows. And it's important. It really is important. Like you said, because if you don't get new people in there, it dies. And that's really what happened with the Atlantic city area. Cause like I said, I'm the last person from my generation still going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's cool to have the not one truth kids there. And they are really very, very helpful. Uh, they were helpful with or the shore. They promoted the shit out of it. And they were, you know, they helped backline and stuff like that. So it's definitely good to have people in the area. Yeah. And uh, shout out not one truth. I had the pleasure of meeting Colin back in March when I went to Philly and just, uh, I'm not like weird about meeting new people, but just right off the jump, he was just super friendly and super easy to get along with. And Mm -hmm. uh, definitely working on uh, getting him on the podcast. We had a scheduling conflict, um, but I am aware of that band. I love that band. So um, Colin will be on at some time in the future, but yeah, shout out, not one truth. Uh, they're super awesome. And I was definitely happy to see obviously shackled one of my favorite New Jersey bands. Um, but also, um, uh, never again, shout out, uh, you know, Perth Amboy. I, I love that whole crew. They've always been kind to me. Uh, you know, treated me well when I went down to Perth Amboy for, uh, mm-hmm. my first and only Jersey hardcore show. So, uh, I always have to give them props because I've loved what they're doing since back when, during like the fence cutter days that's where i first found out about them and uh, just knowing them from back then to now that they've been like super solid through and through so i i definitely appreciate uh you know those three bands from jersey yeah it's it's that's like part of a focus in war at the shore too is i tried to go new jersey heavy on the lineup there's not a ton of new jersey bands at this time there's there's definitely more coming up now which mm-hmm. is cool i think that that's kind of how you get more coming up too is making the lineups New Jersey heavy. Like I think like never again is a really cool band. And uh, Avery also does cut down Mm -hmm. and there's, there's some other bands up there that are starting that are like now starting to get going. And it's like, I don't want to steal from Bob's idea too much with like how he does like the PA unity thing. And it, it mostly is Pennsylvania bands, but it's, it's good to put on New Jersey bands so that like maybe even some of their friend friends might come out, you know, like maybe people that don't really care about hardcore, but like, like their friends will come out. And I mean, that's how people find it too. So it was, there was definitely thought in putting New Jersey bands on there, but I mean, it helps that never again is fucking sick and shackled is fucking sick and not one truth is fucking sick. So that was, that was, it was definitely a plan, you know, yeah, no. Sometimes I, I uh, am surprised that more people don't do what Bob is doing with the whole um, Unity Barbecue, right? And not every band is from, uh, you know, the the immediate area, but that's what the focus is. And I, I think it's smart because when you see, um, you know, if you look at the past lineups, you'll see some of like the the, the bigger bands from the area, you know, playing the fest, um, and even a lot of newer bands. And it, I think it just shows. Uh, strengthen that scene that um, you know every type of band from the area is willing to come together and play uh, even though it's not on some like weird like rock star stuff they're they're willing to do it all for the the local scene and I, I wish more areas would do it so when I see something like it worth the shore and I see 
these key Jersey bands uh, that I think are you know, doing good stuff right now. And I'm um, obviously we, we didn't mention your band Raw Life, but uh, you know Raw Life and then the other three bands that I'd mentioned. I, I think it's super cool because when I look at the landscape of New Jersey, uh, you know, there are some other bands that I, um, I'm, I'm kind of curious where they're at. Um, I, I isn't Blind Justice doing some new stuff, so um, maybe them in the future. Um, and I, I know some of them are busy with other stuff because obviously, I'm um, you know, bodies, oh, you know, world traveler. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's a uh, it's Blind Justice is a band I would have loved to have specifically because of Body because Body's like a crazy front man mm-hmm. and they bring great energy. I think that's uh, again, good for young kids to see. Um, yeah. Uh, that's like, that's one that we would have liked to have. Um, hopefully next year we can get them on. Yeah, for sure. That, that, that doesn't be sick, but yeah, no, like I said, um, I, I, I think it's important and I, I wish more scenes would, would definitely do something like that. Um, I think so too, because it's like, it, it's proven to work, especially in our area, because we have tons of young kids in the Philadelphia area right now. And it starts with bands like, like the, I don't know if you, if you heard of killing me. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm um, Andrew's going to um, come on uh, very soon. We, we, we just locked Perfect. that down. So uh, there's a little uh, spoiler for you. And, and, and I, I like, so I remember when those kids first started coming around, this is a good little story about them. I did book shows in New Jersey. I was just doing like this weird little dance studio and these young kids kept coming and I was like, who are these little goofballs that mosh very strange? Um, and they kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming. And then one day me and Ryan from Raw Life were out in front of the church. And it was like David and Andrew and Maddie. They were just out there skating. And some old dude comes out of the show. I don't even remember what show it was, but he comes out of the show. He's all drunk and he starts like messing with them. And we're like, no, we like these young kids. We got to know about these young kids. So we obviously bullied the guy that was bullying them into leaving. Um, and then, you know, we found out their names and we found out that they were literally pulling whatever 15 year old money they had together to Uber to shows. So they were Ubering from Delaware to New Jersey, which had to have been expensive. So we we're like, these kids are awesome. And then we started trying to get them, you know, rides the shows because we knew where they were from and we knew that we could you know help get them to shows without them having to spend however they were getting money when they were that young mm-hmm. um and then now they're like an integral part of the scene like they're at everything my dog is being horrible in the background right now um <laughs> so it's cool it's cool to see them like really starting to flourish with their band now especially because andrew is just better at 18 at guitar than i am right now so it's really cool to see them kind of doing their thing a little bit um and just to see like where they came from and now there's bands spreading up around them that from kids that i've met through them mm-hmm. so it is like you you support these young kids in this thing and now there's like four or five other bands that have popped up out of that out of new kids that weren't in bands before so it's it's definitely working the unity idea i think and there's i like i remember sitting at the church um somewhat recently and an older man asks his son because hey do you want this shirt and he buys him the shirt he's like all right it's time to go home and the kid was like i don't want to go home yet i'm not tired like let's stay to the end of the show 
his dad literally says to him, he goes, yeah, well, you don't have to drive five hours back to upstate New York. And I was like, these people drove five hours from here. I think it's pretty cool that some dad drove his young son five hours to come to show at church. And it was, it was not anything crazy. I think it, it might've been that drain show. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I think, I, I think that it's because of things like unity where young kids find out about it and then they spread it. And that's how it grows. So I think that Bob is onto something. I think that more areas should covertly rip him off because I think it will help their scenes. Hundred uh, percent. You know, I just recently booked my second show ever. We talked about it briefly off air, but uh, you know, Shackled came mm-hmm. through, and I always find that like a, a great opportunity to to talk to people at shows because when I'm there, just as like a normal guest. Um, you know, I, I'm there to see the bands that I want to see. And um, I, I only want to socialize so much, not not because I think I'm better than anybody, but just because I just don't like <laughs> talking to a lot of people. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll roll up and, uh, you know, with the homies, uh, like the close homies that I have. But it's just like, yeah, I'm not there to, um, you know, mingle. I, I'm there to support the scene and, uh, you know, uh, get my enjoyment out of that. But when I'm uh, running the door, I, I feel like that's like a, a different position. So it's like, okay, cool. Like I have to basically, you know, deal with every person that's gonna, you know, come through here. And there's some, um, uh, you know, there, there's some kids, some like dedicated kids that I see uh, at every show out here in Orange County. Uh, when I go out to LA, these kids are popping up there too. So I'm just like, all right, like I need to know who these people are because they they remind me of me when I was younger, going to every show, uh, you know, um, uh, that I can that, that that's you know within the area. So just getting to know these uh, newer kids to me, um, I I think it's awesome just to see them, uh, you know, rolling out and supporting every show, not just in our area. Because uh, trust me, it's it, it, there's so much shit going on out here. People take things for granted like all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, so for these you know group of kids that are always at every show and come to find out they're all in the same friend circle. So I'm okay. Like, I'm not surprised. I, I think yeah. stuff like that's like super awesome. So I, I definitely, um, you know, introduce myself to them when they're, uh, you know, paying to get into the shackled show, just because I'm like, all right, like, I feel like I've seen them enough to where I actually want to know who they are. Cause I think it's awesome that these uh, kids are rolling out and supporting so often because they're probably going to be kids starting the next bands that, you know, help carry this thing into the next generation. So I always want to help, uh, people feel welcome. So mm-hmm. it, it was definitely cool to finally get to, uh, you know, put a name to the face uh, to these young kids. Uh, so shout out to to all them. They know who they are. But but yeah, it's it, it, it's very important to try to, you know, have some sense of unity. Uh, and I know things can get hard. There's weird little beefs and stuff. But when it comes down to it, if you know, you're not supporting your local scene, it can go away super fast. 100%. It's, it's every, everything that you just said, I very much resonate with because I'm also, when I'm at shows, it's pretty much to see the bands that I really fuck with and to be involved. And that's about it. Like I'm not the biggest socializer. So working the door is like a, a way to kind of get to know people where you have no other choice but to get to know them. And it really is the, the exact same thing that happened with us in the Killing Me Kids. So it's cool to see that that, like, that is just how it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and yeah, getting to meet you the first time uh, was at SWB, and yeah, mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure, uh, you know, how, how you're going to be in person because mm-hmm. not everyone's internet, you know, uh, personality is like their actual personality. So I'm, mm-hmm. it, it was something cool. And I, I, I could tell you're like a, a little more reserved, uh, you know, and just chill in person. So somewhat, it's like <laughs> it, it depends on where you get, you know, like because it shows there is like that, like. I'm not big on being like a talky person. Like you get me around like my tighter group of friends and I'm, you know, insane, but it's, especially if it's like the first time meeting someone, especially like you being that we were like, I'm not going to be like the crazy guy's going to say the off the wall things to you. But now that we're a little bit more familiar, I'm sure you'll, you'll get a little bit more of that side of me, but it really is like, it really comes down to the thing that like I am who I am, but like I'm there because it's like, it's what makes me feel good. And my dog is still being insane. Hey, will you relax? Relax. It's all good. Um, dude, he's, he's, he's going crazy. Um, but yeah, it, it is like the, I sometimes feel like I need to just like be in my space and get through it until the band that I care about is on. And then I, you know, do what I'm going to do. Um, but yeah, it, it is always interesting meeting people that you only really interact with on the internet, especially because almost, almost nobody that you meet through the internet is ever the same person in person. So it's a, uh, it's a weird thing to navigate, but uh, you were pretty much exactly what I thought you would be. A, a nice guy. Mm-hmm. You were easy to talk to so and i mean i would hope that with doing a podcast that you'd be somebody that was easy to talk to because if you weren't probably wouldn't be doing a podcast yeah i would try to tell everybody that the way that people hear me on here is literally how i am in person like i don't put on a weird uh act or anything uh, it's pretty much uh, how i'll be yeah. in person but it definitely mm-hmm. is interesting meeting people uh offline in real life because uh for the you know, period of 2020 to late 2021 i had so many guests on that i'd never met before in person so when i started meeting all these people in real life uh it it was definitely strange because uh not Mm -hmm. everyone (laughs) not everyone um you know was how i thought they would be in person um you know for better or worse whatever but um Mm -hmm. that's just how it goes not everyone's gonna be how you want them to be so it's it it was definitely um fun and interesting yeah it's it's i feel like it's a pretty unique way for you to meet people as well uh like to especially like people that you've never met in person to kind of get to know them through this and then to have like somewhat of a familiarity with what you think they might be and then you meet them in person and maybe they're not what they you know portrayed on the podcast or whatever it might be but it's uh it's definitely interesting people are interesting 100 percent. but yeah but shout out to the podcast this is uh taking me places and gotten me uh you know places i never thought i would be so uh, this is something that i'm definitely always grateful for and and this is like i, I always tell people this is um my way to give back to the scene because uh, before I, I was just going to shows I, i'm not in a band i, I don't want to be in a band um but now i'm booking shows please don't hit me up to book your show <laughs> that's probably that's the one thing that i've hated since i've done these two shows is i've gotten um, hit up to do some stuff and i'm just like i don't even know like you know no disrespect but i'm like i don't think that's gonna do well um 
and I just don't want to have my name attached to it. Um, so uh, try somebody else because uh, you know, and I've gotten lucky. Like, I, I, I'm not gonna, uh, you know, try to front like I'm some big time promoter. I've gotten lucky just you know through these two shows that I've done. It's all been through friends, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Anxious Last Rod, those are my friends. Shackled, those are my friends. That's why I, I did it. Um, and there, there's some stuff that I'm uh, working on, and once again through friends. Uh, so th- that's where I feel like. Uh, way more comfortable, but also confident in the music that they're creating. So, yeah, uh, that's yeah, why I, I've done these shows. That is, it is funny that you say that about booking shows because it's like I don't book a ton. I'll book stuff like if I have friends coming through that need something, I'll mm-hmm. help them out. Or if I just feel like I want to put a specific show together, I'll put it together. But you will get like just deathcore bands going like, "Hey man, can we squeeze on the show?" And it's like. Why do you think you fit on this show? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what are you, what are you trying to get at here? And it's just, I, I don't know. You'll, you'll get like a, a lot of really crazy requests, and people hear you book one show, and then like some touring band that's not even close to in the realm of things that you listen to or deal with. Like, hey man, like we're coming through, and it's just like, okay, I guess. Like, it is, it is a weird thing booking shows. So now that you've booked a couple, you will probably be getting all of those as well. So. Yeah, and I've definitely run into some interesting stuff. There's this guy, I don't even know his name, but it's, uh, you know, $15 cash only. And this guy walks up to the table. He's like, yo, like, will you guys take my Venmo? And my buddy Andy, who's helping me run the door, he's like, no, it's cash only. And the guy gets kind of flustered and he's just like, dude, and he's like, can I just go in? Like, I know all the bands here. And I'm just like, no, this is uh, like a paid gig. Like, unless you're with the band or you're somebody's girlfriend or something, you, you would have gotten a wristband by now. It's like, no, it's like, uh, it's $15. And he's like, well, I don't have any cash. And we're like, all right, well, there's an ATM at the corner or you can go to the gas station and get cash back. It's not our problem. If you want to get in, you have to pay. And he threw like the biggest fit. I'm like, I don't understand why he expected to get in for free. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel pretty lucky in not running into much of that. But it does happen. It definitely happens. I, I don't, like, I don't know why people even try to do things like that, especially because everybody can read, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you read about where the show is on the internet somewhere, so you obviously know that it said cash only at some point, and you looking at this, so you showing up expecting people to just, like, bend the rules for you is a very strange thing and it's uh and then to expect to try and get in for free because you know the bands is like what are you doing like do you not are you not cognizant of how you sound right now like yeah i don't know people people are weird and it's we we run into similar issues with people trying to sneak in and stuff but we like to handle it in funny ways and it typically works out to our advantage so it's I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know why people show up to shows with the intention not to pay anyway. Yeah, like first show, I, I felt kind of bad about being rude about it. Second show, I'm like, fuck that. Like the band's got to get paid. That's like you know the the most important thing, right? Shackled yeah. is on tour. Twist the canes from all over. They, you know, they got to get paid. The venue's got to get paid. There's all these other expenses, and it's just like for people to not. I, I feel like they're not only disrespecting me, but they're disrespecting the bands and everybody else that paid. So it's just like, yeah, one hundred percent. And it, it really is just like this, you know, 
I, I feel like people, and it sounds like almost like a dad thing to say, but it's like, if I don't make you do it, why is the next person going to do it? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. nothing is free, especially right now with, with how crazy gas is with these bands being on tour and you have to pay the venues. Like, I don't, I don't know if people just expect you to just eat the cost of everything or what it might be, but I don't know. It's, 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 it's a weird thing. And like, I'm not saying that I won't let some people in for free, mm-hmm. but it's like a, a discretion thing. And those people never show up like expecting it. So it's like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why people even try and do it. It's a very strange thing. Yeah. I have like a, a, a list of people um, who I'm like, all right, like, I feel like you, you uh, have my respect and you've done a lot more for a lot longer than I have. Um, so you definitely mm-hmm. uh, don't have to, to, you don't have to pay at my shows. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely get that, but it's just, uh, yeah, these people don't understand. Like, uh, I'm beginning to realize that a lot of people don't really understand how much goes into, you know, putting a show together. Yeah. I think even people in bands don't really understand it for the most part, because you'll get, you'll get like people that you're friends with trying to like throw wrenches in your plans as well. Like, some band like oh like we're on tour with this band like we can just hop on the show right it's like no and it's like (laughs) it's it's kind of hard to tell people that you're friendly with sometimes like you can't just do whatever they want just because they want it Mm -hmm. but they really don't understand what goes into like a venue is like hey we're going to kick you out by this time so you have to be done by this time Mm -hmm. and it's like I, i i think that even people in bands as much as they should know how shows go you kind of got to be like no (laughs) <laughs> it's a strange thing it is a strange thing yeah 100 percent. yeah because there's there's stuff going on behind the scenes that uh you know are out of your control so uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that and, and you don't want to like publicize like you know uh these like dealings just because it's a, a little unprofessional and you just you know it's, it's not necessary so it's just like yeah like if things are a certain way it's definitely for a reason and you know, like I, I would love to have every band that wanted to play that Shackle show on the Shackle show, but it's just like I, I couldn't. Uh, you know? Yeah, and yeah, uh, and one thing, and I, I even talked to uh, Bob Wilson about this, just because he's like, like uh, one of like three people that I reached out to about like advice for like booking shows. Mm-hmm. I, I was talking to him about how I thought it was funny that there was these people like begging to get on the Shackle show, but when I told him they couldn't but I would keep them in mind for like future shows. Like they didn't even roll out to support the shackle show. And I'm just like, that's so whack that just because I wouldn't or couldn't book your band. Um, like you thought it was just like, you know, uh, not, uh, you know, good enough for you to even roll out and support. So it's just, that's like super whack. That's like, it's like beyond whack. And it's like, I, I somewhat recently tweeted something about like, Hey, like, if you want your band to play shows, oh you yeah, shows. <laughs> you're starting and shit it, on it Twitter. Came like the, the most, yeah, it became like the most controversial thing ever. I got lambooted over it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I don't understand how it's not like the most basic concept that if you like want to like be a part of something, you have to be a part of it. Like that's that's all there is to it. Like it's no more or less simple than show up if you want people to care about what you're doing. And it's like again, like this band asks you to get on this show. And then they don't come out to the show because they didn't get their way. Why on earth would you put them on the next thing? You know, 100%. And I, I think a lot of bands don't really get that. I think that I think it's also very easy from what I listen to of people in bands to get like jaded very quickly by like not getting on shows and stuff like that as well. So I think that like 
it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of people like not supporting shows because they think that like there's this you against them mentality and it's like oh we're not cool enough for this so we're not going to be a part of this we're going to do our own thing and it's like that's like the most self-defeating mentality you can ever have like if your band's not getting booked there's probably a reason or your band's just not very good and that's like that sounds rude but i mean like I've been in bands that weren't getting booked and I was like, Hey, maybe this sucks. Maybe this, maybe this is not as good as I thought it was. Maybe I need to do something else. You know? And I, I think that, I think that it's like a very simple concept to just like go to shows. If you want to play the shows, go to shows. And for some reason that tweet got like the most like blowback of like, I'm not even kidding. This girl responded and she goes, well, I can't afford to go to shows right now because the show is like $10 and then it's like each beer is $4. So what am I going to do? And I was like, well, maybe you can just like not drink at the show. Like, I don't, and it's like, I, that's, that's a very strange thing of me to say, but it's like, okay, well, if you are like upset that your band's not getting booked because you're not coming out, you kind of got to treat that like a business almost. And it's like, that's not the right mindset to have because for me, I go to shows because I want to be there. I go to, because I love hardcore and it's like a place to go where I feel pretty normal and like being involved when a band is playing is like the best thing about going to hardcore shows for me. But it's like, if you want to think about it like a business because you don't actually care about it, at least show up, you know, and that's like, it's like the, the least effort thing you can do to help your band is go to shows. So the fact that that got, so much blowback was really crazy to me and there was even people that were like in hardcore or on the fringes of hardcore that were like you know i can't make it to everything it's like well sounds a little bit more like you're guilty about not coming out than you actually having any kind of real reason for not coming so i don't know that 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 kind of thing it like it burns me at my core like the thing you said where bands will ask to get on a show and they don't get it and they don't come out anyway so it's like okay you wanted it because you knew there would be a certain level of visibility that came with this show and you didn't get it so you don't care so it's like you don't care about this anyway so why do you why do you even want to be here yeah it's kind of mind-boggling that they were so willing to show up if their band was on the bill but not willing to show up if they uh, you know weren't playing it's like shows yeah gonna be fine you know with or without them but it's just like so weird to me that they'd want to be a part of something um one way but not the other again that's what like to me it comes off as optics it comes off as like it would look good for our band if we were on the show but we're not on it so we're not gonna go and i don't know if that's like we never cared about the show in the first place or we feel slighted because we're not on the show no matter which one it is it's the wrong attitude you know yeah and I, I I totally forgot about that tweet till you brought it up, but yeah, you were uh, accused of being a, a, a gatekeeper. <laughs> the thing was like, if you want to be a part of something, be a part of it. That's it's, it's crazy to me. Yeah, it, it definitely makes sense because, um, uh, and once again, shout out to to, to Bob Wilson because I have a friend who plays in a Philly band that I think is awesome. That, uh, in my opinion, writes really great music. Um, but from their perspective, they uh, feel like they're just getting kind of like boxed out of like their own scene. So I, I had to ask uh, Bob about it. Um, 
and he just told me straight up he's like dude those kids don't come around they don't they they're doing exactly what the kids that i'm talking about out here are doing they don't they they don't support their scene and they're they shouldn't be surprised as why they aren't getting asked to do shit because they're they're you know basically not a part of the scene because they don't come around they don't do anything to support besides wanting to play the shows in the area yeah and it's like i understand that people have like life obligations like you might have a kid or something where you can't make it to every show but not everybody in your band has that like mm-hmm. two people in my band both have young kids and they're still at a lot of shows like we all have like careers where we can't like go f- tour full time but it's not like i hate the, like the career excuse of people not going to shows and it, again this probably sounds like snobby but it's like i know millions of people in this that have real careers that like make real money and like have to support real families and they still have the time for it so mm-hmm. whatever that band from this area's reason might be for them not coming out look inward <laughs> it's as simple as that it really is like if you want to know why you're not getting on stuff ask yourself ask yourself how many things in your area you support and if you if your answer is little then you understand why you're getting a little in return and it really is it, it's that simple and the other side of it is and you're saying that your friends write good music so that's that's probably true the other side of it is that maybe you're just not playing music that's conducive to you getting on the shows in your area and that's like i think that people get very jaded on that like i have friends who play in like heavier 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 style bands that like i wouldn't even call hardcore that don't get on hardcore shows and i'm like why aren't we on these shows and it's like well listen to the bands that you want to play with and then listen to your band and ask yourself if you're booking a show, if it makes sense to stick them together, unless it's like a, a strictly like mixed genre show where it makes sense to book like a metallic band and like a youth crew band, which almost never makes sense. Um, it's probably not going to happen. So it's like, look at what you're doing. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's all, it's very easy in my brain like how to logic whether or not you're getting what you want in this stuff but some people make it out to be like this we're getting boxed out as opposed to like maybe we're just not doing the things we need to do you know and that's that's like one of the simplest things of being a band is like you look at where you want to go and what you got to do to get there and if you're not doing what you got to do to get there that's on you it really is yeah and, and another thing of booking a show is i i find it really interesting when i i saw like a lot of people that i considered like good friends not even repost the flyer in their own scene and i'm just kind of like hmm it's not that hard to repost the flyer um so i like you know the wheels start turning and i'm like okay like are, are they beefing with the bands uh are they just uh you know jealous because uh, i didn't ask their band to play or are the ticket prices too high? Because I, I did hear that people were saying fifteen dollars for the you know ticket or you know the, to get into the show was too much. And I'm like fuck off. That's um, pretty fair um, these days. And You're gonna go spend more than that going out to eat afterwards. Like what do you what do you mean? Yeah. So the, the, there's all these um, interesting things that come with booking a show, and um, yeah. and I've, I've definitely called out some of my friends for not um, you know posting the the flyer in their own scene and. It was just all BS excuses on why they didn't do it. Um, but but it's weird because I'm just like, I'm not doing anything 
you know, from my perspective, I'm not doing anything negative. I'm trying, I'm trying to help us all, you know, like, like when it comes to Orange County hardcore, I'm, uh, you know, trying to put together these dates. I'm out here behind the scenes banging the drum, asking <laughs> bands like, why, why isn't there an Orange County date on this tour? Like, how can we make one happen? Um, but when, you know, local people won't even repost the flyer and, and like, you know, like, cool. Like if you can't make it to this show, the, the thing I feel like you, you could at least do is repost the flyer to maybe get in front of somebody's eyes who is not aware. But when I, I have like, you know, um, so many people, uh, who I honestly felt like should have been there, uh, uh, who didn't show up, um, and not even repost the flyer. I was like, okay, that's pretty whack. It is, but it's, it's like, it's like the frustrating part of it because like you, you never know if you're actually right for feeling like that, you know, mm-hmm. like in in your mind. And I, I feel the same way. Trust me. Like I very much feel the same way. Like I'll hit people on the side be like, Hey man, like we posted this thing today. Can you like do the bare minimum friend thing and just like, you know, reshare it and people are like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'll do it. No problem. And then like, don't do it or like like you said we'll give you like some excuse as to why they didn't or can't and it's 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 hard to really like rectify in your head whether you're right or not for like expecting people to do the bare minimum support thing but it's because i would say probably people like you and i always do those kind of things you know what i mean so for us it's like second nature and for, I think for a lot of people, it's second nature, but for a lot of people, it's like, that doesn't help me. That doesn't involve me. I don't care about it. I'm going to overlook it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's where I'm like, wow, like you're, you're so, uh, like you're so selfish in that aspect, but like you claim to like, you know, want to you know be a part of the scene and you're so down for the scene. Um, and they come out to so much shit, but like when it comes to mine, I'm like, all right, like, is it because it's me? Which is, if it is, that's totally fine. Like I get it, but you're not going to stop what I'm doing because like I said, back to back two successful shows, um, it's just, uh, pretty interesting to see people kind of like, uh, like expose themselves. If that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's like a, it's kind of a bad loop to get caught into because you'll start to overanalyze if someone doesn't do something, but it does generally feel like it's like the bare minimum thing you can do to share a flyer or come out or anything, you know, it's, it's very weird. And I, I feel like it really does have something to do with social media, which is like the most cop out thing you could say at this point, to be honest. But I think there really is like in a lot of people, like this, this hidden competition thing mm-hmm. where it's like not something that's going to help them or like be beneficial to them. And that's like, it's in a lot of ways. It's like, well, my friend who doesn't play in a cool band released something today, but not many people care about them. So I don't want to like get caught at like, you know, sharing their stuff. Cause it might make me look like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it's definitely something that happens. But it's like it's it's a bad mindset to get caught into trying to interpret why people do the things that they do because in the end you'll never know anyway. Like you'll just never know. Like and, and let's say that that band that you were talking about earlier that was like, oh, I feel like we're getting boxed out. If there was a legitimate, like they were getting boxed out in their scene, like they're never gonna actually know that. No one's gonna be like, yo, you guys 
suck or we don't like you as people. So you're not getting booked. You know what I mean? Like people aren't going to tell you that. So no matter how much you think about like why something's not happening for your band or for your shows, the only thing it really does is affect you. So that's like what I've tried to do is worry about what I can worry about and take care of the things I can take care of and try not to overanalyze what other people do so much. But I absolutely will be like, Hey man, we released like a new song today. Do you want to share the thing? Or like, yo, I released this flyer take and you like share the flyer. And like, it is interesting to see who does and doesn't, but it really is way healthier for yourself. If you just don't interpret why people don't do things because you're never really going to know why, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it, I feel like it's just like a kind of like this weird checkpoint where I'm like, all right, I'm not like, we're not as cool as I thought we were. Because I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I like there's certain people um, where I will take offense to that. Like other people, I, I, you know, whatever. I'm, I don't care. Don't post it. Whatever. It's not the end of my day. But when I got mm-hmm. these people who act so cool to me in, in person and pretend to support what you're doing, I'm just like, okay, like no, yeah, like this is this is definitely like this point in time where I realize like you're just being fake about it, and um, you know, you're just like someone I'm going to just kind of distance myself from because mm-hmm. you know, like I don't want to be around, um, you know, like fake people, uh, that, that's well, what I'm that'll, you know, shake your hand and then like, kind of yeah. like whatever. Yeah. Cause, cause I, I, I make it clear. Like I'm nobody special. I'm not, you know, the first person to book a show, uh, you know, just because they've been cool shows. It's like, yeah, you know, there's other people, there's other cool shit going on all the time. Um, it's just yeah, like, I mean, I, Having good taste is not exclusive to you being like a cool guy, you know. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, so, like, and I think that people get caught up in that too. Yeah, to it's like like you. you knowing me, pretending to be my friend or whatever, is not going to get you anywhere. Like, I'm, I, I, I make that clear. Like, I'm, I'm nobody special. I'm just a normal dude. Um, so it's just like, yeah. So things like that, I'm just kind of like, okay, cool. It, it just kind of opens up my eyes, and then I just kind of, you know, uh, appreciate the people that I have around me that actually uh, care and support me and are actually my friends. Yep. And that's, that's the best way to do it anyway, to be honest. It, re- it really is because the people that really do support you are mostly the people that are always going to anyway. So mm-hmm. there are, there are a lot of people that'll come in, especially like when you book shows, like you're saying now that'll, you know, try and be close to you because they think that you might give them a show that'll work really well for them or because being your friend might introduce them to somebody else, which is like, it's like things you kind of hate to talk about because it's like a cliche and hardcore that like people really will like, you know, do the whole ladder climbing thing, but it's, it's real. It's very real. And like, it's a hard thing to navigate because you don't want to just assume that of everybody. Mm -hmm. But I feel a lot like you in that, like, I'm just a guy. Like, um, I like hardcore. I like to go to hardcore shows and keep to myself and mosh and sing along. And then I like to go home and I like to talk to the same eight people I talk to every day. Like, like getting close to me is not going to help you in any way. <laughs> I'm just, I'm simply a guy, you know, like that likes hardcore. So if, if that's like why you want to talk to me, because you also love hardcore. Cool. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk to me because you think that I might introduce you to somebody that might help your band or, you know, knowing me would help you in any way. You're, you're wrong. Like I'm, I'm just a guy like I don't I don't want to talk to most people and it's not like I don't like people I just like I'm a solitary person so it's like all I, I feel like I have a harder time connecting with people that want to connect with me 
Does that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if because because like, like, really their ass, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, like looking like, for something. It's like yeah, that's because that's that's what it feels like to me. It's, mm-hmm. it, always, it always feels like when people are like, "Yo, I'm this guy," and then like every time they see you, you're like, "Yo, I'm this guy." You remember me? I'm this guy. I'm this guy. I'm this guy. Like you're this guy. Like I know you. And it's like okay, well, I'm. Why are we doing this? Like we don't need to do this. And then it's like people that you meet organically, like you and I kind of met organically. So now like when I see you, it's easy to talk to you because I don't feel any kind of pressure for knowing you. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that, I don't know if people do it on purpose. It's like if there is like that ladder climbing aspect of it, because you know, I play in an X, Y, or Z band or I know X, Y, or Z person, but it is, it is a thing. And it's very weird. Like you said, just being like a guy, like, why do you why do you try and be up my ass and then like don't actually support the things I do? It mm-hmm. comes off as like a you're looking for something and it's like the wrong guy to look for something for because you're not gonna gain anything from me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've ran into some of those weirdos. Like because I'm I'm not a mean person like generally. Um, so th- th- there's some people that I've met where I'm like, okay, cool. They, they, they seem genuine. <laughs> and then over time, it's like, holy shit, they're, uh, so fake. Um, and it's yeah. the weirdest thing. Cause I'm just like, oh my God, I could be dead. <laughs> Psychos, weirdos wanting to like get into your life. And it's just like, dude, I don't know what you want or where you thought you would, you know, get to. And, it's just like my own fault for kind of uh, not really <laughs> um, vetting certain people. Uh, so, you know, I'm not perfect. Uh, so I, I, I lesson learned. Yeah. And that's like, that's the tough part of it too, because like you, do, you don't want to come off as like the rude mean guy who like won't let anybody close to him or like doesn't want to like be nice to newer people, but it's just, I don't know. I feel, I feel like, the people that try to get to know me are the ones that I end up wanting to be the furthest from. (laughs) And (laughs) that's like, it sounds fucked up, but like, it's the truth. It's like, if it's like, just let things kind of happen organically. Like if you actually care. And if you, if you don't, I don't know, it it, it definitely, it it rubs me a weird way for sure. When people are, are like that. And you can always kind of tell when they're like that as well. Yeah. But I don't know. It's it's a it's a very weird thing, especially because like when you book shows, it, it's almost guaranteed to happen. Or if you're in a band that goes in the right direction in any way, it's almost guaranteed to happen because you watch it. Like you you can literally sit there at a show or like a fest and hear people be like, "Oh, that's this guy from this band." Like I'm gonna talk to him or be his friend. Like oh, I know that guy, and it's like you know they don't know your friend or something like that. And it's like, what are you doing? Like why are you doing this? Like. Just go have fun, like, and, and if you're if you end up clicking with people, you end up clicking with people, and it's I don't know, it's a, it's, a, it's a very strange thing. I've never understood it because I'm I'm largely somebody that is perfectly fine keeping with myself until something clicks. Literally, every person that is like close to me right now, I at one point did not like. I mm-hmm. legitimately didn't like most of the people that are closest to me before we actually got to know each other. So that to me has been like the most foolproof way of having like long-standing good friends is just kind of letting things happen and yeah. I, I feel i feel like 
I feel people feel a pressure to like be seen with people that are, and it sounds stupid because it's like against everything that hardcore is, but like to be seen with people that are like of an elevated social status within this thing, because it's going to help their band or it's going to help them. Like, I don't know. Raw life has written songs about stuff like that too, where people kind of just like try and blend in everywhere they can as they're snaking their way up the weird, social ladder so it's and i i would say that probably every other band in hardcore that has felt the same has probably wrote the same song honestly it's not like we're rewriting the books here but it's a it's a weird phenomenon that's definitely a part hardcore that people will really try and you know be friends with the people that they think are in the coolest bands or in the coolest friend groups and try and get in with them and do weird stuff like that so whenever I feel like it's happening to me, I'm very much like, like, like we were talking about earlier. Like I'm just a guy, like you're not, you're not ever going to gain anything from being my friend aside from, I might make you laugh or I might annoy you by being insane. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's all you're going to get from this. So I, I wish that people did kind of have like the, the wherewithal to let things just happen. And if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, I, I get to tell you this crazy story. Um, FYA, this past year, so me and my buddy Andy, we fly out and we stay with this dude from the internet, and he claimed to like know all these people. And you know, like I'm not going to question who you know because I don't care, right? It's like you might know them, whatever. It doesn't like I literally don't don't care. It's like like it's fine. So we get there and find out that um, like this guy. He hits me up. Um, he's like, "Hey, like, um, uh, one of your friends, uh, you know, needs a place to crash uh, the first night, FYA." And I'm like, "Oh, like, did you tell him he could stay with us?" And he was like, "No, like, how about you you hit him up and let him know that it's cool." And I'm like, "Well, like, don't you know him?" Um, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, but like, it, it's cooler if you hit him up." So I'm like, "All right." So I, I reached out to, to my buddy who I knew needed a place to stay just for the first night, mm-hmm. and. I was like, all right, this is weird that he had, he knew about it, but he didn't want to reach out, even though he said that he knew the guy. Yeah. So I'm like, whatever. And then I, I get kind of weirded out by it. And I'm like, Hey, like be honest. Like, do you actually know my friend or are you just saying that you know him? Cause I don't care. It doesn't bother me if you're lying about it. Like just come clean. Cause we're literally going to this hardcore fest where all these people are going to be <laughs> that you say that, you know, and you're either going to get exposed or, um, it's just going to be fine. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, like I, I know everybody. So I'm like, all right, whatever. Sure enough, my buddy, um, <laughs> my, my buddy shows up, uh, and this is like one in the morning. So like we, we, we go downstairs at the Airbnb to, to greet him. And the guy that, uh, we're staying with who told me about my friend who needed a place to stay introduces himself. He was like, Hey, I'm so-and-so. And I'm looking at him like, you literally told me that you knew this guy. So he was like some weird, like social media, like stalker. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is it. Like he's been lying this whole time. Right. And then fast forward to to the fest, he's with like a bunch of people that I don't know. And I don't care to know. Cause I, I'm, I'm, I'm like the first thing I'm there selling merch. Right. I was right there with like from within records or right? doing all the collab shit. So mm-hmm he keeps trying to like call me over to like these like weird, like social circles. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't have time to, to like meet all these people. I, I got to take care of 
this table that, uh, you know, that I've been working on for, you know, half a year. So it's just like, no, like, I don't, I don't want to meet anybody. Like, I'm sorry. But like, every time I'd walk by, he would like try to like get me to come over and, and take pictures. I'm like, dude, like, like, I don't really want to take pictures like with random people, like no offense. And then, yeah. And, and then sure enough, like, as like the fest goes on, you, you kind of go, and I'm realizing, like, holy shit, he doesn't know anybody that he claimed that he knew, which I'm like, I don't care. It's not like he was going to, you know, be any cooler or less cool if he did or didn't know these people. But the fact that he lied about it just made him a weirdo. And <laughs> yeah, that, that's what makes him less cool. Yeah. yeah. And then there was this one kid um, who had been, like, blowing up, like, my DMs, um, which is, like, like you know, like, if somebody, like, and trust me, like, if you DM me, uh, I, I read it, but if it's like not like constructive or like something like you know like if, if somebody's like you know will give me like a compliment or something like of course like I'm gonna take my time to to say something because I'm not gonna you know take that stuff for granted because I do this because because people care and because people listen, but when yeah. this guy is just saying random shit, sending me hearts and like commenting on every story that I post, and I've never talked to this guy before, I'm like okay that's that's a little strange, um, and then. I asked this guy that we're staying with, right? The liar. I'm like, Hey, like um, I noticed that you two are, are mutuals. Who is this random guy that keeps blowing up my DMS that I've never responded to. And he's like, Oh, like that guy's like a weirdo. He's a creep. He's whack. Come to find out at the fest that, <laughs> that they're actually like really close friends that he's just, just been trashing this dude for no reason. I'm like, that's so weird. I'm like, weren't you just talking crap about that guy? Like when I asked you about him and it was the weirdest thing. And I, I felt bad for my buddy, Andy, who um, flew out to California to stay with us. Cause I felt like I brought him into like this weird, like serial killer situation. Cause like we're staying with this <laughs> dude who I thought I knew. Um, but come to find out he literally didn't know like half the people that he claimed that he knew. It was the weirdest That's thing. Something. That's truly something. I, I don't even know if I have like a, a great response for that, but that's, uh, I feel I feel like a lot of people will do the whole fake in the funk, like oh yeah, like my friend, and then it's like someone that they've been like, yo, good set, or like bought a piece of merch from, you mm-hmm. know, like oh that's such a that's that's terrible, dude. That's like a that's like a weird movie script you just lived through there. Yeah, oh, my God. it was so strange because I'm like, dude, like we're in hardcore, right? Like, like you you claiming to know anybody like i literally don't care right and i I, like just because like i'm not gonna like you anymore just because you say you know certain people and it's weird when when uh he would tell me that he knew my friends and and i knew that he didn't know them but i was just like this is the weirdest thing i'm like all right like i can't wait for this weekend to be over so i can just go home and hopefully make it out alive (laughs) this is like (laughs) some weird stalker that um uh, got us in this guy's fridge or something yeah it, it was literally the strangest thing because like i'm never gonna call someone my friend who i don't know right because I, I have no problem uh, admitting that i don't know certain people or i'm not friends with certain people because like i don't care because like i don't want to be friends with everybody you can't be friends with everybody uh so like the people who um are my actual friends i, I like appreciate them and have no problem saying it but when i run into these people who think uh pretending and lying about stuff like that's going to get them anywhere it's the saddest thing because like one thing i always try to encourage is for people to be themselves because i'm like don't you want people to know you and like you for who you are at your core not this weird act that you're putting on that's like the weirdest thing to me 
Yeah. I mean, like I would say that, that authenticity is like the number one, most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. So like the fact that people do stuff like that, like that will immediately make me not want to be around someone like that. Number one. And uh, I don't know. I, I would say that authenticity, even like in like listening to bands is like the most important thing to me. So like the fact that anybody would like someone that they've like bumped shoulders with call that person their friend to me is like very weird. <laughs> like Strange. it's like, like someone that you were friendly with in person a couple of times is not your friend. Like because you guys like talk on the internet, that person's not necessarily your friend. Like, I, I, it's very weird how the way things are now. And, and to be honest, I would, I would venture to say that he probably actually would think that he was friends with some of the people that he said he was friends with, probably because they follow each other on the internet at very most. But it's like, that's like a, <laughs> it's like a big red flag. Like when someone will call anybody that they've ever interacted with their friend. Yeah, it's like some weird like mental stuff going on there, and it's yeah, it's scary. Um, but I, I, I'm glad I made it out alive. We we made it. That's something, dude. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was so strange. Yeah, just that that one moment, uh, the, like you know when he met my buddy uh, and introduced himself. I'm like, dude, that guy was on your zine. You claimed to be his friend, but here we are in person. He has no idea who you are. I'm like. Like I was like so shocked. I was like, "This is crazy," and like I get how people could be delusional, but you got to be real, man. Like if that person's really not your friend, like it, yeah, no. it's <laughs> don't call them your friend. It, it's okay if you're not friends with uh, some person in a band, or um, you know, there's plenty of people who've been on my podcast who I'm not friends with, right? Like, yeah, yeah we have like a like a small relationship, but I'm not going to go and call every person that's been on my podcast my friend. Yeah, yeah, and which is like a sensible and smart thing to do like mm-hmm. you got to think like if you have to introduce somebody <laughs> yourself to somebody you're not their friend like you're not even acquaintances if you're introducing yourself to somebody like you're just now acquainting yourself with somebody so like to call somebody your friend or say that you know them is crazy crazy strangest thing but let's get to raw life I, I, i've been wanting to talk to you about raw life um <laughs> How did that band start? So, I mean, like, everybody in Raw Life has been friends for, like, 15-plus years for the most part, aside from Jared, who was our drummer, mm-hmm. who is, he just turned 21. And Jeez. So, Young kid. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a freak. I'll get to him. Um, me and my friend Ryan have... Me, Ryan, and Michael, who's Ryan's brother we're in a band called ready to die a while ago. And that's just kind of a band that I just joined on the tail end of just because I wasn't doing anything and they wanted me to be in it. So I was in it. Um, but we've always been very, very close to me, Ryan and Michael and Kyle. And, uh, Kyle was always in bands that were just like doing too much to ever do another band anyway. So kind of just me, Ryan and Michael had formed an idea to start a new band in, we probably have had this idea since about 2018, but it didn't really, we didn't really start like recording anything. I think the first thing we released was 2019 late. Um, and we were kind of just, we were like toying around with members. Like we'd had a couple of drummers try out and it was like not working. 
And I had posted to Instagram one day. We're getting to Jared now just because it's a funny story. Uh, I had posted to Instagram that we needed a drummer. And this random person that I've never met, I couldn't put a face to or a name to, responded. And he's like, yo, I play drums. And in my mind, I was like, this is probably like some weird little metalcore guy that, you know, I've never met before in my life. So, like, I sent him some riffs and I was like, you know, try and play along on the drums and send me a video of you playing the drums, thinking he would never do it or he would suck and it would never be anything. And he ends up sending me videos of him just playing the drums and like he like pretty much structured the songs exactly how we would have wanted the song structured. So it's like, all right, we'll jam with him. And he shows up and he's this fucking little red haired baby. And he literally looks like a child. I think he was like, had, when he joined the band, he had just turned 18. Like, like, like he just graduated high school. And I was like, I'm going to go try out for this band. So he works out pretty well. Like he, he plays pretty well, but we we're still like kind of unsure of whether it was going to work or not. Just because he's so young and like, it was his first band he was ever in. And then we kind of like threw away all the songs we had recorded originally. And we wrote some new songs with him. And that's pretty much where it started. But it had been an idea since pretty much that band that we were in called Ready to Die had broken up that we would start another band eventually. But it just ended up that I had quit a band that I was in. And I had plenty of time at that point. And Ryan and Michael weren't doing anything musically. So it just kind of worked out timing-wise. And then we had this other guitarist in at first. He was, he's pretty good at guitar, but he, like I feel like the vibe wasn't there with him. And I, I realized that saying stuff like the vibe wasn't there is like a, a weird thing to say. But it just it wasn't there. We weren't we weren't gelling. And then uh Kyle, who had just started a band called Carried by Six as well, was like we figured that his life was too busy to do it, but Ryan had texted him and was like, hey, do you want to be in Raw Life? And that's how we got to where we are now. That's awesome. I, I remember seeing you guys at SWB, and I felt like you guys got uh, like one of the better reactions that day. Kids were you know, popping off for you guys, which I, I thought was pretty cool. It's like it's kind of surprising sometimes, and I, I don't know if it's because like you just never – know what your own thing is going to do or like i like i love the raw life songs and i think that we write you know decent stuff i'm not going to sit here and say that we're the best band on earth or anything but i think we write pretty cool songs so it's like playing stuff like that and getting good reactions is always kind of surprising to us um just because you never really know especially with the way that hardcore can be uh about like how your band is going to be received but there's there's been a few shows that we've been like really surprised by our reactions and stuff. So it's uh it's always like a pleasant surprise when we have a really good set, I think. Like and it's not because I think our band sucks, but it's just because you never know how things are gonna go. You never know how other people are gonna see your band. So uh yeah, the SWB set was great. Um SWB as a whole was great. I think the Pin Street set was probably my favorite set that day. But um yeah, they, they kill it with that fest and they, they they do a good job and I was surprised by our reaction, honestly, yes. Yeah, shout out SWB. Um yeah, you mentioned that Painted Truth set. That was their first out of state set, which is crazy because if you look at them now, they're 
world travelers doing a ton of cool stuff across the u.s and even out there in europe so it's definitely it's so cool how it happens too like mm-hmm. they're just like you know let's just release this demo and then they're like one of the biggest bands in hardcore you know just like off of a demo that they just dropped out of nowhere you know yeah it, it was uh i was tripping out because when they had played sabb i'm like wow you guys had only played like two shows prior to this this is uh, which was the, their their record release, uh, and I was just tripping out because we had had that record for so long, right? Because it came out during the mm-hmm. um, you know quarantine during the pandemic. So to to have them finally break out and be able to do stuff, it, it just seemed weird that wow, it's like been uh, you know a while since this thing came out, but you guys are barely you know able to finally get out and do stuff with it. But but yeah, this cool. Huh. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's like it happens like that for some bands, like it's not it's it's like this weird thing it's like i think you know we we're talking about like people being jaded about their bands not getting over and stuff like that earlier mm-hmm. like people will see bands like pain of truth that like just randomly pop one day and then they're just one of the biggest bands in the thing i think that people get upset about that and they get like this idea in their head that like people are against them and their band or their people in the band aren't cool enough and it's just like it's not the case like I played in a band that had like headlined over Vane at one point, and then Vane became the biggest band in the world like overnight. And it was like a specific set. And you can always kind of like get a sense that it's going to happen as well. Because like before Vane played there, this is hardcore 2017 set, they were like, they were trending upward. But I was like, I remember talking to friends like, this set's going to put them over. Like, this set today is going to be crazy. And I it's just like a feeling you get. And it's like the same thing when Golsh came to this hardcore, it was like, they're going to have one of the craziest sets of the day. And they did. And they blew up off of it. And and like the same thing with Pain of Truth. Like you heard the demo and you heard how people talked about it. And you're like, yo, when this band finally plays, people are going to love it. And they're going to just soar. And it's, it's exactly what happened. So it was cool to see that happen at SWB, especially I think that was my first time seeing them as well. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, I don't know. It was a really cool day in general, honestly. And you got to realize too that every person in that band plays in another band. So it's not like they're like, all right, cool. Like, let's just start a band. And then they got, you know, super big. It's like, no, those guys have been putting in work and still are putting in work with their other bands currently. It's it's like not just paying the truth. And that's like, that's like the thing that people like don't realize. Like I remember and not to get too far off paying the truth, but I remember like when Vane was starting to pop or Gold was starting to pop, people were like, oh, they're just hype band. And it's like, well, they've been bands for years. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, like, like I said, I've seen Vane in a basement where four people watch them. You know, like it's not it's not like these bands like have like the coolest people in the world in them, and that they're just like these super groups that get attention because of that. It's like no, they they busted their ass and they did things and they made it happen. You know, and it's like you could say it about a lot of bands, like like. I remember seeing Drain and there being like 40 people at the show. And then now if you go see Drain at the church, it's one of the craziest shows you could see here. Mm-hmm. So it's just like people don't like to give credit for the work that's done. They just see like the success that bands get. And for some reason it makes them jaded. And it's a strange thing, especially because like you said, with, with Pain of Truth, I've seen, you know, the people I know in Pain of Truth, I've seen a million other bands play to like, 20 kids at times you know so it's it's not like these people like 
are being gifted things you know they've put their time in other bands or you know even in the case of the bands that pop like vein and stuff like that like they busted their ass to get their band to where it needs to be so it's uh it's like really cool to see happen and it's it's really weird that people get upset about it though i will say yeah like it's it's funny that you're like oh let's talk about raw life and now i'm just off on a tent about like (laughs) no it's all um, good Uh, yeah there's no like clear path to get to the level of a vein or to a pain of truth you just gotta uh, just let it kind of come your way right because i'm sure when they did pain of truth they had no idea where it was going to take them but uh, you know just by chance the they just have like this cool recipe right the uh, yeah. people in the band are uh, you know good people the music's good and they just came in at the right time because with their style they, they could have came, came in an era where um, what they're playing isn't popular and they wouldn't be where they're at today it's just uh, that's why I always tell everybody just do what you like and not like really, you know, uh, focus on, um, you know, trying to cater to what's hype at the moment or, or whatever, just, just do you. And if um, things are meant to be, I feel like they'll, they'll happen, uh, you know, yeah. even over time. Cause yeah, just like you mentioned, like, I trust me, like I, uh, have seen drain, uh, you know, the, obviously they're from, uh, California. I, I've seen drain, uh, before the, the blow up, which is well-deserved. And it's cool. It, it was a steady rise and it, it's well-deserved. And like a lot of people, you know, I, I get it. I, I'm haven't I've been on the ball from the very beginning. Um, so they, they don't get to see like the, like this whole, like, uh, like, like the, the iceberg, right? Cause if you track it way back, it's like bands like drain, like vein, uh, they've been working hard for a long time to get to where they're at. And yeah, it, it, and it like- does take work, right? You got to have, um the the capability of writing good music but then also um the the ability and the endurance to want to go out and do tours like they're doing because it's not easy no it's not and it's like i'm even proud of bands like shackled that are out there doing it right now because even like being on the road for that long is not easy it's not and for bands that have done it for years and years to get to where they need to be like we, let's talk about an even bigger example. Let's talk about like Turnstile. Like I've seen Turnstile it play to you know twelve hardcore kids, and now Man, they're Jimmy Fallon, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's like people people really do like hate them for it. Like people in hardcore, but it's it's like a there's like a specific mindset within certain people in hardcore that's like just averse to success. It's like once a band is like doing well and they're making money and they're like they're whooping ass on tour and they're having crazy reactions or like even in turnstiles case on like getting to like the bigger and biggest stages. Like people are like, that's stupid. That's not hardcore. It's like, that's hype. And it's just like, I, I really, I despise the term hype. Like, uh, like how people, it, cause it, it comes from jaded people. It's like, they call them hype bands because like they're in these bands that are very successful and for some somewhere in there there's like jealousy about what's going on you know and people Mm -hmm. people will never admit that but there's 100 percent jealousy and like oh this hardcore band is like so big and like people care about them and it's like people were upset before turnstile even got to the level they are now so now if they're on the level they are now they're like that's not hardcore like that like makes hardcore look stupid and it's like i i don't know what's more hardcore than building something from the ground up that you take like past a level that you could imagine and like 
continue to try and give back to hardcore, you know, like play hardcore fests and stuff like that. Because like a band like Turnstile does not pay, play FYA. They don't. Mm-hmm. And, and like, there's like a lot of bands that get to that. No, there's not a lot of bands that get to that level. I almost just completely said something stupid. When bands get to that level, they don't have to do anything. Like you see how rare it is for like a hate breed to play this hardcore or something like that. And it's like, I'm not talking shit on hate breed here, but it's like, they're they're like a a, a concert band now you know like they don't they don't need to play at the hardcore fest so it's cool when Hatebreed plays this is hardcore and stuff and it's cool when turnstile plays you know fya and stuff but it's like there's like this weird reluctancy for people that like like Hatebreed to like liken them to turnstile because there's no difference in what's happened you know they still they like if, if you would call Hatebreed's new stuff hardcore, you would be wrong. You know, you would just be wrong. And I don't know why people will single things like Knock Loose or, or uh, Turnstile out and be like, this is like, this is not our thing, but still like be excited to Hatebreed playing this hardcore because it's, and I'm not talking shit on any of these bands at all. I love Hatebreed. I will be in the Hatebreed pit, but it's like there's not a difference so it's like to hate on bands for acquiring quote-unquote hype is like the the strangest strangest phenomenon no i i definitely agree when you look at a band like turnstile and they take out a band like ikulu on their tour it's like they didn't have to do that they could have easily pulled from any other well and not uh you know take a cool awesome hardcore band with them on that tour that's going to expose them to a lot of kids who probably would never even check out ikulu or even know who ikulu is so yeah. they they're smart people they know what they're doing so for anybody who's gonna uh hate on them it, it, it's pointless because for for what they're doing uh i don't see any negative for for hardcore it's it's it's, it's just gonna make more people aware whether they're good or bad, it's just uh, exposure, and they're still writing good music, right? Like the, the Glow On, still a hardcore record. I, I know there's a lot of debate whether it is or it's not. I think it is, and they're they've been solid. Uh, I, and I'm saying musically because I don't know them personally. Musically, have been solid from beginning to now. So it's like I, yeah. I I don't see any like negative aspects of turnstile and i and yeah when, when i see people hate on them yeah it probably is jealousy whatever but th- that, that's from when bands get big like even look at a band like uh, code orange right uh, yeah like argue on that level right like when i look at these bigger bands i always talk about turnstile knock loose vein and code orange like those are like the biggest bands in our realm uh, and it, it, it's rare. So I, I feel like people should stop focusing on the hate and just appreciate these kinds of bands while they're around because they don't come around that often. Because if think about how long you've been in hardcore, there's not many bands that have gotten to their level to kind of have that kind of influence and to to, to make it on, onto those big stages. So I, I, I applaud all those bands. And I, I think it's annoying when people want to try to throw shade to, to any, any of those bands when they've worked hard. And when you get down to it, those are still hardcore kids you know yeah they're still hardcore kids they still bring out hardcore bands like they still care about hardcore because if they didn't they wouldn't be playing these fests like that that's like the the important thing to remember is like there is no reason or or 
like commercial benefit for them playing these fests. You know what I mean? Like them playing FYA doesn't bring them any more commercial sex, sex. Wow. Uh, success than they already have. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's just like, they're doing it because this is where they came from. And that's like what they like still. And I don't know why people take the route of like, you know, wanting to separate them from what they are because it is what it is. Yeah. You saw how it was when turns to earth and when knock loose play, this is hardcore. <laughs> there, there was still a fuck ton of kids in there going off and supporting them. It's like, like as much as people want to say they're, they're not a hardcore band. They are. And, it's yeah. just, and that's like, the other thing is, is that like, you do need these kind of bands that are going to bring in new kids and not all of them are going to stay and not all of them are going to care about hardcore. But if you don't branch out at all, you're not going to be able to keep bringing in kids. And that's what makes hardcore a thing is having people that are in there moshing that are, you know, growing their passion for the music and wanting to understand where it came from and stuff like that. And you're just, you can't do that by having, you know, every band sound one way, have one set of ethics, have one set of morals as to what they will or won't play. Like you have to grow, it has to grow or it will die. hundred percent. Yeah. There there's, because in like the big picture, like hardcore hasn't been around for that long, right? Yeah. Because there's like a lot of these legends that are still alive, which is cool. Um, but for people to try to say that a, a band like Knock Loose isn't hardcore just because they cater to a slightly different audience, right? We're, we're, it's also in, in the same bubble. Um, hmm. it, it it just gets annoying, and there is like a fine line, right? Where there's like certain bands, like these Warped Tour bands, uh, that will jack from the style but you know it, it, it's clear when certain ones uh, in my opinion aren't hardcore bands they're just like doing like weird like metalcore stuff right yeah yeah so it, it, it gets annoying but i i always just try to stay away from that stuff because it's like these like pointless debates because yeah and then that's like i think that comes with age too it's like learning just to stay out of it because it's like you know wh whoever like feels that kind of way is very stuck in their ways anyway and once you're jaded like that, it's very hard to get people out of that mindset. So it's like, hey, that's how you want to think? Think that way. But I don't agree. Yeah, because they're not doing anything to stop me from what I'm doing. So it's like, cool. Like, yeah. uh, It's awesome that, that they're around. Like, I, I know people who uh, like those bands. I, I know people who are friends with those people. And it's like, cool. They're you know, doing hardcore their way. I'm, I'm going to do it my way. And as long as they're not trying to stop me. Like, you know, good on them. Like, I wish yeah. them success and I'm just going to keep doing me. Um, but speaking of, uh, you know, knock loose and all that, I'm, uh, Raw Life, this is me bringing it all back. Raw Life, uh, uh more recently, um, was announced that uh, you guys, uh, signed to LDB, which I thought was a, a cool signing because I love that record label. Uh, I, I love the, the people behind it. I, I'm just curious how, uh, you guys, uh, you know, uh, form that relationship with them because uh, from where you're at, it's not typical for a, a band to get on that label. Yeah, I think I think like it's now starting to come a little bit more because I don't know. If, uh, I can't say that. I don't think. I'll let me just reverse. Okay. Uh, I've, I've known Tyler for a bit, just like from seeing him around for years and years and years, and we're just. I, it very legitimately was just like I sent a Tyler. I was like, "Hey, we're putting out this promo. We're gonna put out an EP later this year. Let me know if you'd be interested." And he said that him and his partner listened to it and they liked it, and we pretty much agreed to put it out with them like the next day. It was it was quite literally that simple. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he has a good ear for um, for for music, so I'm I'm, I'm happy that um, they both checked it out and, and were into it. Because when, when the promo came out, and I I, I checked it out for the first time, I, I was definitely uh, you know stoked on it. Thank you, thank you a lot. And uh, it, it's it's again, it's always like for some reason like a like a pleasant surprise when people really fuck with it, you know, mm-hmm. and like. I sent it to Tyler and Tyler texted me back maybe 10 minutes later and he said, yo, this is fucking sick. And I was like, Oh, cool. So it's, it's always like nice when things kind of go seamlessly like that, because it's rare that things do go seamlessly. Like I think we talked on the phone for like 20 minutes. And after that we were like, okay, we're an LDB event. That's simple. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, it's awesome. Like, like I said, because you guys could have easily gone another route because there's a ton of cool labels, uh, not too far from wh- where you're at. And I, I I like the the signing to L, LDB. Like I said, it's not, not that common for bands from your area to get on a label like that. And mm-hmm. I, I definitely appreciate what they're doing because uh, I, I like a lot of the bands that they've been putting out recently. I like a lot of bands they've been putting out recently as well. Uh, I would say most, namely most recently, the one that I like the most is definitely Two Witnesses. That band is really cool. Yes. Um, probably like right here is a two witnesses shirt that I've been saving for a special occasion. Like I, I, I like kind of, you know, when, when I'm shuffling through like what shirt I'm going to wear for the day, whenever uh-huh. I, I come across, it, I'm like, man, I want to wear it, but I want to save it for a special occasion. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that band. I, uh, I, you know, I'm friends with uh, Jim Barron. Uh, so I definitely, uh, you know, uh, love that shirt. And like I said, it's right here. It's probably like that one right there, and I'm just saving it for a special occasion. One day I'll wear it. I'll take a picture in it. Yeah, we uh, we me and him follow each other on Twitter, so I would say that we're friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, they're, they're very cool. My, my whole mm-hmm. band really likes that band, mm-hmm. and uh, I uh, DM'd with him about potentially doing a weekend down the road. So hopefully that's something that comes to fruition. Um, we're we're happy to be with them as well. I mean, I like. I think something that's important to me as far as like who I get along with in hardcore is people who love hardcore. I know that Tyler loves hardcore. So it was like a pretty easy decision once he said he was interested. Hmm. Okay. So you um, put out the promo and you mentioned a record. Is there a time frame? anything you can talk about, you know, past this promo? We're recording in September as far as when the physical release will be i have to talk to tyler again about i know we have to have music in by like september or october so whatever the turnaround might be after that might be it and then whenever that time comes we're probably going to do like a a release show in atlantic city um which i would like to get constraint out for because again i like tyler i like constraint um and maybe a split between that time. I guess it depends on the way that, that like the presses are right now. You never know. Like I, I'm trying to figure out exactly when we will have physical records. Uh, just, you know, you want to release like the, the digital and the records at the same time in an optimal world, but who knows at this point. So it's, it's, it's in flux, but we have most of what we need written done already. So we just have to finish like, a couple more things and then we're ready to record in september um we're gonna be recording the same place we recorded the promo stuff at so we're we're like we're fairly dialed with where we're going we 
have somebody working on art already as well. So we're, we're, we're gearing up to get the whole thing done. And then once we have like an idea of when we'll get the physicals, we're going to try and do something real cool for the uh, release show. Okay. And worst case scenario, right? Cause uh, the plants have been messed up for a long time. You record <laughs> in September. Would you do a show before the records come in? If it's a, a, like a crazy time frame, or would you just want to hold out? I think I think it depends. We we've discussed potentially trying to do a split with an LDB band if it's going to be like a long time before we can get the record out, so we can get some other music out in between waiting for it. But at the same time, we've released like you know a split, two demos, and a promo so we probably we really should like aim to get like something a little bit longer format out just so we have something at once that people can really like take in and listen to but uh i think i think it really does ultimately come down to what the press tells us about how long it's going to be to get the records because if we're getting the music over in september to october I don't know what that means for turnaround time. To be completely honest, mm-hmm. I have no clue, and I won't pretend that I do. It's something I have to call Tyler and talk about and try to figure out and make sense of in my mind. But we had discussed doing a split with an LDB band in the meantime if we have to. But it's all it's all in flux right now. Okay. Well, yeah, it's still a ways out, and you never know what things are going to be like. Yeah. So hope and I hope things get better. Because obviously, this uh, present plant issue has been going on for a really long time, and I, I get that um, it's it's a major issue. But I feel like there has to be some sort of solution to this problem that's been going on for so long. Yeah, I honestly, I won't even pretend that I understand why it's a problem or how it gets so backed up, and how nobody has thought to like expand on the market to you know profit off of doing it if it's a profitable business, which it could not be for all I know. Um, but you, you would, you would think, yeah, that somebody at some point is going to be like, okay, well, let's just open up our own press, and, you know, take some of the business off the market. So things as like a whole can like dissipate and maybe get a little easier to do. Um, I don't, I don't know a ton about it cause I, I'm not really a record collector myself. But to see a lot of my other friends that I know are like big on record collecting, like hating on record store day and stuff like that, I would assume that that probably has exacerbated the issue as well a, a lot over the last few years. I remember, remember right around one of the last uh, record store days, someone complaining about some pop artist printing like millions and millions and millions of uh, vinyl records. So, I mean, I, if there's only so many places to do it, I assume that eventually someone would get the business idea to you know jump in on that market yeah well hopefully one day this issue gets gets resolved and uh you know the whole music industry won't have to deal with that yeah but i'm curious about act like you know raw life is traveling to oklahoma can you talk about your thoughts on that fest it's a pretty cool lineup in my opinion I would say it's their because they used to be under the Promcore name, but I would say this is their best overall lineup so far, and it's really really cool to be going with as many East Coast bands as, as are going to be on there. There's 
you know, there's pummel, there's gridiron, farm hands, um, first day out and strangle you. And I'm sure there's other East Coast bands I'm not thinking of right now. So it's actually, it's really cool to be representing the East Coast at that fest. Um, and it's, it's got like a pretty diverse lineup and there's some cool stuff on there. And uh, I know that we are probably going to be playing Texas on Thursday because we're flying into Texas intentionally to play Texas. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to play Texas that thursday and maybe play another thing on friday and then just take the rest of the fest in um but yeah we're, we're really excited to be doing it we're glad to be included in it um i think they do a really good job i think it's cool that they're doing it for like a good cause as well and it's not just like some random city somewhere saying they have a fest because their hardcore scene is on top and it's more like a we're gonna you know book some bands that we like to help out where we can i think that's really cool Cause I think that, that there is like a lot of places that are just like, we're going to book a fest just so we have our own thing. And it's like, it's, it feels like a little less that with this best than more like uh, we like hardcore and this is like our idea of how we can get back. So I think that's cool of them as well. But I think, I think the most exciting thing about it is to be going with as many East coast bands as are going to be playing this year and kind of representing the East coast. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, respect their lineup because when you look at it from top to bottom, I, I feel like there's uh, a, a little bit for everybody. And I, I feel like whoever, uh, you know, booked this thing has a pretty good grasp on, on what's going on currently. Because when, mm. when, when you look at the bigger bands like, you know, Gridiron, Anxious, uh, End It, um, that's awesome. But then even when you look down at some of the newer bands uh, who are you know, just coming up and um, probably haven't had a chance to play something like this. It, it's definitely really cool that they're um, even aware, but also I'm um, you know uh, booking them for this fest because you know there's certain fests where um, you know certain bands would never play just because they're not at a certain level of you know <laughs> fame or whatever, which I, I get. But I, I appreciate fests like this who uh, care more about um, you putting on for like the up and coming right like there, there's like this uh, balance of more of the younger and up and coming bands versus like all like the big hitters yeah 100 it's it's also pretty cool that they really seem to put on for the midwest as well they put like a lot of like you could have you could have loaded the lineup with like mid-level bands from like bigger markets that have like a quote-unquote bigger following but they were like and, and kind of hearkening back to what we were talking about earlier with like putting on for your own area it makes a lot of sense that they're putting on like some of these bands that might never get on some of these coastal hardcore fests. They're like the bigger ones in the country, obviously, or even LDB. Um, it, it's cool that they get a chance to kind of play with some of these bigger bands. And I mean, like you never know who it helps is a cool thing too. Cause like one, one of those bands, cause I, I'll admit that there's, you know, plenty of bands on there that I've never heard um that people like me will be getting to see them for the first time and people in those quote-unquote bigger bands that are at the top of the fest will get to see some of these bands and uh, you never know what it could do for somebody yeah and for anyone who's going who may not be familiar there's two california bands that i think people should check out outside of like the bigger ones that people already know there's Mm -hmm. a band called take it to heart who are some good friends of mine they just put out a new single recently, so go check that out. And then there's another band called Shiva. They're from the Antelope Valley, 
AVHC, if I'm not mistaken, and they they rep that pretty hard. Uh, they're super awesome bands, so make sure to check them out too. Yeah, I, I will um there now that you have their uh, seal of approval. Okay, well, I'm happy to hear that Raw Life is staying busy. You guys signed to LDB. That's super awesome. But before we wrap up, um, you had mentioned um, off here. Uh, you, you talked about Stylebender, um, Israel, Adesanya. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, interesting fight, you know, tough fight. Um, he, he mentioned in, in the post-fight presser that he wasn't able to follow up with a lot of his shots because Cannoneer's team, they all had a good plan uh, to combat that, which was fair. But um, overall, uh, did you enjoy the card? I did. So admittedly, we, we were playing uh, a gig in the Valley for Ben Stucky last night. So we, I got to the place where we were all watching somewhat late. I walked in at the, uh, the quote unquote, I poke with O'Malley. And, okay. um, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll start there. I walked in as it was happening and I'm going to be honest, that didn't look like much. It didn't look like it was like a fight stopper to me. I don't know if you agree or not, but that one didn't look. I, I felt like he probably could have kept going. I'm actually interesting to, to what you think on that. There's one angle where you see where he actually like pushes his eyeball. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, obviously uh, our eyeballs didn't get pushed. So I'm not sure how he's really feeling because uh, yeah. uh, Munoz had mentioned to the doctor that he felt like you know pain behind his eyeball. So I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't followed up to see. Um, how injured he actually is from that uh right so you know uh, he said he couldn't see and i don't like you know based off of the way that he was fighting i felt like he was game and ready to actually fight o'malley he wasn't scared or anything so yeah i'll give him the benefit of the doubt I, he also said that he got poked twice but um mm. there was no source for the the uh, or there's no source for two eye pokes they only had the one where the fight actually yeah. got stopped so i i hope they re uh you know rebook it but i don't know if they want to do that i i know that o'malley is a rising star he's really popular and they want to uh, you know keep rising him up but i feel like uh you can't give him someone higher ranked uh, i agree I, I definitely agree and it's uh, i agree with everything that you're saying realistically because it's like you understand that you don't want to it's it's kind of similar to what happened with leon edwards and bull al muhammad how um, that really bad eye poke. I'm like, well, he shouldn't have been fighting you in the first place, so we're not going to run it back. This one's definitely different. Uh, obviously, because Pedro's ranked so much higher than O'Malley is, I think it would make sense to run that one back if they do or not. We'll see. Um, but I didn't get to watch enough of that fight to really have much of anything to say about it. I am sad for my boy Robbie Lawler, who probably needs to hang it up at this point. Oh man, I I, I picked Lawler too. I did too, and and you know what? At first, he was making me look good because he was hitting him with some good shots. But I think Bar- Barbarina's chin is just so good that it's almost part of his game. You know, like he'll, he'll let you punch him and almost punch yourself out. Cause I don't know if you remember the Vicente Luque fight. He actually rocked the Sente Luque and Sente Luque is good. Mm-hmm. And he had Sente Luque on the ropes in that fight, but Sente Luque was able to carry enough power later on. But uh, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's been kind of sad to watch Robbie's decline. And there was like moments in there where he thought that like, he might like pull it back together. Like when he was beating the dog shit out of Ben Askren 
uh, until that went the way it went. But uh, now seeing him get knocked out as old as he is and as far removed as he is from the title picture, it's like, how much more do we really need to see him fight? So I, I feel like that's my, my unfortunate take on that fight. Yeah, I, I think his biggest issue was he wasn't um, keeping distance. He was letting, uh, you know, Barbarina uh, put all that pressure on him and uh, just he was just absorbing. He wasn't really... Uh, he didn't use his wrestling. Didn't didn't do anything. He he was content with just uh, you know uh, having a stand up fight, which is not too far off from Robbie Lawler. But it's like if you're you getting hit by all these shots and there's so much volume coming your way and you're not really doing much to defend it. Uh, yeah, you know. and when you get up in age, you just don't carry that much power like you used to either. Because he carried crazy power for a long time, but there's. I mean, like when you when you start to get older like that, you just can't get in like the Robbie, uh, the Rory McDonald style wars anymore, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's it's upsetting at being a Robbie fan, but it is what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then who was who was it was after that? Uh, that was it was the Sean uh, Sean Strickland fight. That was a thing Holy, of beauty. Yeah, Sean oh. Strickland versus Alex Bahia. That shit. That was crazy. I. I normally I don't like to celebrate fighters' losses, but I think Sean Strickland's annoying. And oh, dude, I I screamed! It, it's a play. We were we were to Dave and Buster's. We all went after the show, mm-hmm. and he knocked him out. And I I I screamed. I was a little too happy about it. But I mean, like that's like if if you look back, like his check hooks are lethal, and that's exactly what he got Strickland with. And I I like I don't know if Strickland had a better game plan in him to fight him, to be honest, because like Strickland's not like, you know, winning any ADCC championships or anything like that, or like national wrestling championships. So it's like Strickland's MO is kind of like volume pressure and he gets the job done. And against a guy like Alex, you're just, you're not going to do that with him. Like he's gonna, he's gonna find the shot. He's going to hurt you. And I think it was – I picked Alex to win either way. Mm-hmm. But, like, a first round, like, he didn't get punched in the face once. Victory was, like, eye-opening for sure. Because, I mean, Strickland, for as annoying as he is, and as much as I think he's probably not a great person, um, he was on a six-fight win streak, right? Mm-hmm. Six fights? Yeah. Uh, it, it looked like he didn't belong in there with Alex at all. Yeah. When Alex hit him with that – uh, that left hook dropped him, but then when he hit him with the follow up and knocked him out cold, I was just like, "Damn, that's crazy!" Because it was so he was so accurate with it, right? Yeah, he's very accurate with it, and it's like again, it's like I think the last time I saw Strickland even get dropped before that fight was when he fought Kamar Usman, mm-hmm. and it was just like a like a flash, like knees gave out right back up fighting, but he got nuked, <laughs> like that that check hook took his knees. And then the straight down the pipe took his consciousness and he was, it, it, it's bad because he stood up trying to like protest a little bit. You saw, but he was stumbling away Yeah, and like, it was, it was staring at the ceiling. Like it was, it that was, was pretty, a bad. Yeah. yeah it's pretty clear that he wasn't all there. Yeah. And then we move on to my boy, Max, Dude, just uh, getting completely blessed. Oh man. It's like going into it. I, I was like, all right, like 
putting Volkanovski and Holloway side by side, the performances that they've had, you're like, okay, this is going to be a really competitive fight because not only were the first two fights really competitive, but everything that they've done after, like they've only gotten better. So you're like, all right, this trajectory is crazy. It doesn't happen that often, right? Where we see two of the best in the division actually, uh, you know, get to fight each other. But I don't know what happened to Max. I just, uh, he was a, he was a step behind the whole fight. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy to me because I would say in that Yair Rodriguez fight, that's like maybe as good as Max looked like he had power in his shots. He was sitting him down. He was wrestling. He was doing a lot of good things, but I, I mean, like, I don't know what they're doing over there at city kickboxing as well as whoever. Uh, Cause I know that, uh, Alexander Volkanovski has like a, a an additional coach who doesn't coach any of the rest of the city kickboxing guys. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever they did for that game plan, and, and maybe Max had an off night. It's it's not out of the realm of possibilities, but whatever they did with that game plan was beautiful because Max was never in that fight. Really, he it's not it's not like Max got like destroyed, but he was never he never got going at any point. Like there there's no point in that fight where you're like, oh, Max is starting to come on. Like it's kind of like Max just looked a step behind, like you said, the whole fight. Yeah. And I, I think it was Joe Rogan that said it during the broadcast. They, he said that Max looked good in his other outings, but uh, tonight he looked worse than those other outings. And, and yes, and I, I definitely agreed because it's like, yeah, when, when you look at uh, the fight against Calvin cater, yeah, Rodriguez, it just, yeah, that just seems like a whole different fighter. And, and it doesn't help that Max got his eye or not his eye, but he got that giant cut above his eye, which, you know, leaking blood the whole time. That's definitely really annoying. So it's just like, uh, Volkanovski just slowly pulled it away. He he got the cut. Um, he was like way faster, which was like crazy, uh, for someone like, uh, you know, yeah, Max being like the much longer guy and Volk was just catching him with jabs all night. Like, just really good jabs, just getting right up on him and getting out of there immediately. I think the, the, the last thing I want to touch on in that fight is, was Max not maybe uncharacteristically emotional in the lead-up? You know, he was calling for a round, like a, a finish within three rounds. So I think he, I think maybe he might have been, like, overconfident. Yeah. But I, I I don't know. He seemed he seemed like angry in the presser and stuff, and that's just that's not typically his game. Like usually, like he might be a little cocky, but he's respectful usually. And it seemed like this time he was just it seemed like he was upset. It's the Hawaiian curse, right? When I look at because yeah. there's not that many people that get a, a third crack at, at, at a, a belt like that in that situation. But when I look at him, I look at BJ Penn against Frankie Edgar. It's like. Mm-hmm. it's not a good look because Frankie Edgar just had BJ Penn's number and maybe that's just how it is because and, and, and it sucks but maybe that's just you know Volkanovski has Max Holloway's number because if you look at how Max performs against everybody else he's you know leaps and bounds ahead of them but when he comes in yeah. against Volkanovski it's just it's just like that one guy that just has your number I will say the second Volk fight. I thought Max won that fight personally. I think everybody, I, <laughs> everybody, yeah, everybody I think that. most people would agree with that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, as much as I love Max, I don't see a reason to run that one back anytime soon. Unless it's like Max beats so many people, it becomes undeniable. But 
I don't know. That that isn't there under Maga Madoff in that division that's coming right now? Uh in Featherweight? Yeah, and and if there's not, isn't there somebody that's in that camp at least that's coming, I believe. Uh I'm not sure. Let me pull up the the rankings cuz the, the the one fight that I want to see that I think would be um competitive is uh Henry Cejudo. I think he 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 could step up cuz remember he was calling for that fight. He's a um, genius too. As much as I don't, I don't really like his like very, very manufactured persona either. He's he's definitely a genius when it comes to fighting. Um, no, I'm I'm looking at the top fifteen. You have Max Holloway number one, and obviously these haven't been updated yet. Uh, Max Holloway mm-hmm. number one, Brian Ortega two, Yadier Rodriguez three. Oh, do you know who you're probably thinking of? You're you're, you're probably thinking of um, Zabit, who retired. It could be, but no, no, I think there's, I think, uh, the other Amaga made off is 135, not 145 is what it is. Okay. Um, oh yeah. You're, you're, you're thinking about Umar. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, he, he's 35, but yeah, I, I would like to see, um, Henry come back, um, uh, and fight 45 and go after Volkanovski because it would be very interesting. I know that for sure. I, I think that something that Volk has that works for him too, is that he's, so strong, number one. Mm-hmm. But number two, he's like, think of if you are a wrestler against Volk in that division right now. His hips are going to be lower than your hips no matter what because he's not very tall. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's very short for that division realistically. But he's so strong and he's so compact and low to the ground that like even the best wrestlers are going to have a hard time with Volk until you introduce somebody like uh Cejudo, whose hips are probably right about the same level and he's an olympic wrestler um so yeah i think that one could be very interesting but uh, on the other hand you just never know because at the same time Cejudo was getting dropped by 135ers uh here and there and you never know volk just catches him with one good one it just puts him right out it is interesting that volk wants to be a champ champ and go up to lightweight i don't think we've ever seen a 45er go up to lightweight and be successful as yeah, far as um, uh, as far as being a uh, champ champ because um obviously we saw it with um uh, holloway and poirier going for the intern belt and we, you saw the damage that poirier was able to inflict on max which was like the weirdest thing because like you th- I, I honestly picked holloway for that fight but when you saw like what kind of damage poirier was putting on max like, damn yeah the, the lightweights just hit different it makes you wonder too, though, if, if Max took the right time to put the weight on. That if it, if he might, I don't. I, you see, at the same time, Dustin was knocking people out at one forty-five when Dustin was a one forty-fiver. Mm-hmm. Max is not so much a knockout artist, you know. Max is like a, a volume puncher. Mm-hmm. I, I think he just he took so much damage so quickly against Dustin that even when he started turning started to turn it around later in the fight, he just was so beat up already that. I, I don't think it was conducive to him winning. Yeah. And, and, I, I, and I know people are screaming and pulling their hair out right now saying that, you know, the, uh, Charles Oliveira was a featherweight. And it's like, I know he was, but remember, he had a lot of weight issues, was the best at featherweight, like Max and um, uh, Volkanovski are. He, ha- he mm-hmm. didn't really see uh, the kind of success that he has now until he moved up because he yeah. just has that bigger frame. Um, you know, it, it would be interesting to see Volkanovski go up. But I don't know how well he would do just because when you look at people like 
uh, Oliveira, who's like just good all around, and you look at someone like um, Islam or excuse me, Islam Makachev. Those are the people that I, I think about. Like, how well could he do? Because when I look at people like the Justin Gaethje's, I, I think Volkanovski, <laughs> which sounds crazy. I think Volkanovski could take Gaethje just because he's not as uh, he, he doesn't use all of his tools, right? Gaethje can wrestle, but he just likes to leg kick and punch you. Where Volkanovski, um, he can take the fight where he wants. Like, he'll utilize all of his skills. It makes me wonder how much wrestling is really left in Justin's tank at this point, though, with just the, the way that things have gone for him. Like, mm-hmm. how badly he lost to Khabib once oh. it went to the ground. That was sad. And, like, how, like I, I would say, like, it's easy for me to sit here and armchair quarterback it, obviously, but, like, how unaware justin was in the jujitsu realm of things like and i mean like that that showed both in the Oliveira fight and the khabib fight so i just like it, you almost get the feeling that like justin fell in love with the striking so much that he f- kind of forgot a lot of the stuff that he was doing that made him great all right before volkanovsky can do that i, I want to see him fight michael chandler i think that'd be the, the fight the fun fight to make oh that would be that would be great that would be really cool. yeah because chandler's that guy that that has like that that whole package he has the good wrestling he has the good striking i, I think that and his, you know he's not like a, a big lightweight yeah no he, he's he's short as well so that, mm-hmm. that that i would assume that they're probably around the same height that would be a crazy fight come to think of it it's a yeah. good point it'd be really fun All right. and then let's get to izzy and then i'll i'll, I'll let you go i'll stop punishing you with mma but um I really do think at this point, just from it, like watching Israel Adesanya, my dog is being crazy right now. Um, watching Israel Adesanya as long as I've watched him, and like as I'm sure you've watched him as well, like on his rise, he was, he was there were some decision wins in there, but he was putting people away as well, and even somewhat within his champion reign, uh, he's put people away. But when you start to look at the fights where people want to call the fights boring what's happening in my opinion from just you know paying attention to the sport of all the attention to the sport people are are taking pictures in front of him and they're freezing and they're hoping that he makes a mistake because they're seeing what happens when you engage first you lose every time like paul acosta was advancing on him advancing on him advancing on him he got his legs kicked to hell they got kicked on his head and then he got clipped behind the ear and it was over Robert Whitaker puts the pressure on him, gets probably knocked out twice in one fight, the first fight, mm-hmm. pressuring out of Sanya. So if you look at these fights that are more quote unquote boring to like your everyday MMA fan, when people are not rushing him, they're also not able to do anything to him. Like the Marmatori fight. Marvin Vittori put as much pressure as he could, but his legs were getting chewed to shit and he was getting pieced up when they would exchange hands. So it makes him hesitant to just go in and try and do what he has to do because he sees what happens with Robert Whitaker and with Derek Brunson and with uh, Paul Acosta. It's a, it's, a, it's a lose-lose thing fighting him right now for everybody that they have available for him to fight in that division, I think. Because Jared Cannonier packs big power, but Jared Cannonier just got dropped by Derek Brunson, who hasn't dropped anybody in years. 
Well, wait, wait. You gotta make sure you gotta clarify. It's blonde Brunson. Blonde. <laughs> it's, it's a little different. It's it's a, it's a little different. Yes, but I think the thing that's happening with Izzy is the fights where people want to pressure him, and the only person that that really had much success against him fighting him in general was Kelvin Gastelum, which and is so weird. Because you look at him yeah. now, it's just like that guy's not that good. No offense. Yeah, but I I think it's because Kelvin Gastelum's chin is just enough to where he can even even like the clean shots from Izzy he was getting rocked but he was hanging in there until like the end of the fight but I think it's just there's so much that you have to worry about with him that it causes you to fight conservatively and then when you fight conservatively you're fighting at his range and he's going to chew your legs up he's going to jab you to hell and he's not going to put himself in a position where where like he's going to press the action and get clipped at something because there's no point for him to do that because he's the champion. So I, I think that you're running into this issue where, and, and he actually said it in his interview yesterday, but I had said it before, like to my friend Chris, when we were watching uh, the fights that I think he's just so good at this point that it's like people are, are thinking and trying to come up with new ways to beat him and they just can't do it. So it gets boring, just like it got boring with Anderson Silva when he would not get touched the whole fight and just touch people and win. You know, decisions or GSP was so good that people were trying to think of new ways to beat him. I wasn't, I mean, spare Johnny Hendricks at the end there, but they're trying to think of ways to get in on him and they just can't do it because nobody's been able to do it. So I think that what it is is it's less. People, people want to call him a boring fighter or whatever it is or say that like he doesn't want to win fights. And I think it's more that people are just frozen because they don't know what to do with him anymore. Yeah, the game plan. You're going to need a, like, like a grinder, like a like a Khabib-style wrestler to, to get in there and get him because that's that's the only weakness, right? When he went up to 205, fought um, Jan, uh, and, and you saw how Jan was able to... to to, to manhandle him, but that was just because size was the issue, right? Jan's just way bigger, different weight class. Um, I, I I don't fault Izzy for going up because he, you know, tried it. No diss. Uh, not many people can or um, mm-hmm. are, are willing to take that risk. But he he went out there and, and proved that he's willing to you know strive for greatness. And it's not yeah. like he got destroyed in that fight. He just got out wrestled, which you know definitely yeah. happens. Um, yeah. But yeah, I and, and and even with this this next matchup, right? I'm, uh, they're pushing for the Alex Paella fight now. That mm-hmm. um, there's the history there, right? Is he lost twice to him? Once by decision, once by getting knocked out. And everybody's like, "Oh, this is gonna be like the dark horse to to take out Izzy." But I don't think so because this this is not a kicks. Uh, excuse me, this is not a kickboxing match. This is MMA, and Izzy, in my opinion is way more seasoned right Paya has only had uh what three fights two fights in, in the ufc now and izzy's mm-hmm. like literally the champ and we, we we've seen all aspects of izzy and i'm and uh, you know once again referencing the broadcast i'm pretty sure it, it was dc who said this we've seen the slow and patient izzy when he fought against um ul romero we've seen mm-hmm the you know the um uh, izzy who's um uh, ha- having to deal with um, adversity against like Ke- kelvin gaslam and able to dig deep and bring it back when, and then we've mm-hmm. seen the the aggressive striker against paulo costa like we've seen all these different aspects of izzy and pay hasn't uh, hasn't really been put in those positions and we don't know if he can 
you know, withstand it and let alone go five rounds in MMA. Um, so like as cool as like that next matchup will be just because of the history that's there. I think it sucks for Alex Bahia to be put in that position because I feel like it's just going to be too soon because we've seen, I totally agree. Like, yeah, he like, he's had these like outstanding finishes, but it, it's not kickboxing. Like Izzy's not gonna, um, he doesn't have to stand with him if he doesn't want to. And like, yeah, I, I know Bahia trains out there in Connecticut with Glover, and they have a, a a good camp, but when it comes down to experience in the octagon, he just doesn't have it, and, and I think that's going to be his biggest detriment against Izzy in the next fight. There's that too, and like, there's also like, you can look at MMA tape already and see where Alex has been beat. Like, that's there. Mm-hmm. Like, and like you said, you look at Izzy's MMA, MMA tape where he's been beat, and it was by a guy that was you know forty pounds heavier than him. You're not like the pay is not going to walk in that much heavier than him. Number one, number two, that's a, you're looking at two guys that have like an equally intricate like understanding of Muay Thai against each other as well. So, I mean, even in the fight where he knocked Izzy out, Izzy was winning the fight until he hit him with the one shot, which mm-hmm. he does have that power. That's always, I mean, like that's always going to be there no matter what, but. I think that it's obvious that Izzy has grown even since he's come into the UFC and he's had plenty of experience again with mixed martial arts. And I mean, like it wouldn't be greatly surprising to me if Izzy ended up submitting him to be completely honest. Cause I think that his jujitsu was good enough to do it when you pair it with how good his kickboxing is. And I, I think he's just, he's just very smart. And I'm not. I'm not saying that that Alex couldn't knock him out because Alex could knock anybody out. I'm actually convinced that Alex could probably knock out almost anybody at 205 as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that that's going to be. I think the way that, that fight is going to play out is going to be a, a way more intense Izzy versus Silva fight. You know how that fight went? Yeah. I think it's going to be a higher stakes Izzy versus Silva, and I think Izzy's going to edge him out. Which. At that point, it's just like who's left, right? Because I feel like for Izzy, he's beaten the top competitors. Uh, you know, there's still like that Darren Till matchup that I would like to see, but I don't think Till has enough to take out Izzy. Um, and then it, it, he's got he's got to get his whole thing back on track anyway. I I, I like I, I would like to see that fight as well, just because I think Darren Till is hilarious, and I think the lead up to that fight would be wonderful. Uh-huh. But again, like. Who can Robert Whitaker beat that's going to get him back to a title shot at this point? Like, there's, there's no like young impress. Like the the only way I think that Rob could ever get back to a title shot is if they decided to make Rob versus Alex for the title eliminator. And I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah. So I, I really do think that as long as long as Izzy's going to be in this division, he's going to be the champ. And I think that. I think that it might make the division uninteresting to be completely honest, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Not, and it's no part on, uh, it's not, well, it's kind of Izzy's fault because he's clearing out the division. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, whatever, just keep cashing his checks. Be a, you know, uh, Valentina Shevchenko and just keep winning. Uh, you 
just grow your legendary status and just wait because yeah. th there's always new people coming up right because a couple of years ago pe people didn't even know the name style bender so it's just you know, yeah yeah th there's always new and interesting people coming so i think hamzat was interesting until he got uh into that war with skill returns because i i would i would venture to say that if it was hard for him to take out or take down Gilbert Burns, it's going to be harder for him to take down Izzy. So, well, I hope he doesn't go back to middleweight. I I hope he stays at uh, welterweight. I do too. Well, I I think that that pushing him to a title shot anytime in the near future would be a disservice to him as well. Same same thing with like the way we're talking about Alex, like being up too soon against Izzy is probably what's going to happen. I think that if you were to put Hamzat against Usman right now, it'd be too early. I think you could put Hamzat versus Colby right now, and that would be like a, a pretty good like litmus test of where he's actually at. Well, but, I'm pretty uh, sure that's the fight they're trying to make, but since Colby's going through like all of his like legal stuff against Masvidal, I think he's just being very quiet. Yeah, I, I don't think that that Colby takes that fight, to be honest. I think that that one's a lose-lose for him, because if he loses him, then he's way out of the title picture. And if he wins, then it's just like... He's just that... He's just he, like... He, uh, um, just like Usman said, he's like, Colby's his gatekeeper. You have to beat Colby to get a title shot. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, it makes sense, but I I, uh, I don't think that Colby wants to play that role. I think Colby wants to fight people like Dustin Poirier and end up in big fights just because he's a big talker. Which I, I hate Colby, but he can fight. He can definitely fight. Yeah, and I like, I, I'm I, not into the whole like MAGA stuff, but I, I definitely respect his skills. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he's 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 a great fighter. He's 100 a great fighter. I think that that people have a hard time separating the personality from the person. And but, also, uh, I I don't I don't think people realize that it's all an act. You know, they 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 take it so serious. They get so they they see red when like pe people talk about like MAGA and stuff. But it's like, dude, it's a gimmick. He, he's not really like like that. Yeah, he's uh, there's like videos of him being like nice to, to like his fans and stuff, and like telling people like just keep trying and stuff. And it's like that's fine and dandy and all. I know it's an act, but it's, not, it's an act I don't like. So it's always fun to watch him lose. Mm. Well, all right, Tony. I'm <laughs> I'm surprised that we finally, after so long, we got this done. This has been super awesome. I, I appreciate you uh, doing the podcast. But before we go, is there anything else you would like to say? Fourth and Shore 2 will happen next year. Okay. Um, if you're coming to this to hardcore, watch Strength for a reason. Because they are the truest example of hardcore that you can find. Especially over all the years they've been a band. Legends. Um, shout out Nanticoke, right? Absolutely shout out Nanticoke. Um if you're gonna be at the Sarcore, just try and watch a lot of the younger bands too, because there's uh, bands that you might not have heard of because there's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, show and up early for Fool's Game. For Fool's Game, yes. Justin Clemo uh is weird looking, but I like that band. <laughs> he got up um, I think he got upset at me the other day. Why'd you make fun of him? No, um, I, I think he doesn't like my uh, my K-pop posts on my Instagram story. So he he messaged me kind of flustered. Uh, he seemed flustered, um, but who knows? Yeah, he's a strange one. He 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 looks like he was born in a sewer. So anytime he's rude to you, just call him. Anytime he's rude to you, just tell him he looks like Sim Fulcus, and then he'll he'll be quiet. Oh man.
Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's that's like what it comes down to for me. The, the last things I want to say is that if you're going to this hardcore, uh, be in the room. Don't be outside hanging out, socializing. Don't be there trying to you know fuck some person that you talk to on Twitter here and there. Go be a part of hardcore. Do everything else afterwards. All right, one hundred percent. I I appreciate those words. Thank you, Tony, for doing the podcast. I, I definitely appreciate it, and thank you everybody for tuning in. I definitely appreciate all of your support and your love. It means a lot to me. But thank you, and we'll be back soon. <laughs>